Holman, I am excited about this episode of the Truck Show Podcast. Uh, is it because I just got back from an epic trip I cannot talk about? <laughs> yes, because it's another freaking show where we've got an embargo. Well, that doesn't make much of a show, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because we'll have to come up with some other stuff. You know what does make a show? Huh. Dustin Whipple talking about a 775-horsepower F-150 that mm. he... What? I mean, what I was in had way more horsepower than that. It what? Significantly more. It's almost on. like it's not even interesting wait anymore. Wait a second. Hold on a second. What? Wait, what, then what? Oh, I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think what you had that had more horsepower. Nothing. Now, you, didn't, you didn't say more torque. You said more horsepower. I didn't. I'm not. I'm just saying that. Eh. Eh. I'm going to have to figure this out. Okay. Also, on this show, supply chain issues are wreaking havoc on automakers. We're going to get into that. And you and Johnny Lieberman, our most hated guest, went head-to-head <laughs> over the new Ford Bronco. Uh, and that's not entirely true. You didn't? And how's Johnny our most hated guest? Do you think he is? Yeah, by far. I would not say hated. I would say polarizing. I think hated. You can go to MotorTrend.com right now and you can see <laughs> a little ditty that we put together. We're going to be playing that audio because I think uh, we, we, we previewed it right before we cracked the mics open. Uh-huh. And I think you guys will enjoy it. Okay. Well, that and, sounds good. And Holman, does a couple of like little digs I think you'll enjoy for Mr. Lieberman. Sure. Don't you think? Sure I did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. So I did that for the podcast uh, listener. Mm, I know you did. All right. Well, uh, before we get to the show, we got to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. So uh, Nissan, guys. New Frontier, 2022 Frontier, weeks away. Do we have an exact date? Do we know? Uh, first couple weeks of September. Okay. Somewhere in there. I, I think it depends on where in the country you live. I would imagine if uh, you're in the south, southeast is probably a little sooner than those on the west and east coast. But uh, I'd I, like to talk to someone who put a deposit down on one. Uh, if Yeah. If, if you're interested in the new uh, 2022 Nissan Frontier, we want to hear from you. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. Uh, as you guys heard in the last episode, I was really impressed with how solid it is, what a great little truck it is. Uh, I think it's going to... Uh, I think you noted that your buns were super comfortable in the zero-gravity seats. Uh, they were giddy. They're giddy. Many, <laughs> giddy uh, many Yes, many uh, hours of giddy buns makes for a happy uh, woman. That's weird because I saw giddy buns Did you? at the Palladium. Yeah, just before COVID. No, that's not true. No? No, giddy buns was on that uh, documentary as the fake band. Oh, were they really? They were real. You're just lying to try and sound like you're relevant again. That's true, yes. All right, so uh, a class-leading 310 horsepower out of the 3.8-liter dual-overhead cam V6, backed by a 9-speed automatic transmission, uh, Pro 4X with Bilstein shocks from the factory. Also get those... <laughs> what does Bilstein know about shocks? <laughs> ah, just hold on a second there, sir. Also full skid plating, electronic rear locker. If you're, uh, if you're looking for that mid-sized truck, just hang on a few weeks longer. You're going to be really impressed with the Nissan Frontier. If you need a full-size truck right now, mm, Titan. You, you can either head to your dealer or also uh, check them out at NissanUSA.com. Titan and Titan XD have the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. And if you're counting down those last couple of weeks before you can get into that Frontier and you just got to just eke those last few miles out of your beat-down truck. Or your 1942 GPW. That too, <laughs> okay. yes. You know the place you can get parts is at your local AutoZone because they carry Duralast. Or, you can, of course, you can go to DuralastParts.com. That's right. If you uh, are looking for starters or alternators, Duralast starters and alternators are triple tested to ensure OE or better amperage and torque output. Remanufactured by Tier 1 or OE manufacturers for OE or better performance levels versus rebuilt, which is just torn down, inspected, and clean. All wear components are replaced with new, as well as with new sub-assemblies where the originals no longer meet OE performance levels. Of course, if you want brand new, you can check out Duralast Gold. 
which is a 100% new unit line, also available. See the entire catalog at DuraLastParts.com. All right, and when I'm exploring like it was in the uh, the last 10 days, mm-hmm. uh, in some undisclosed cool. vehicle, right? Although if you're a, a super sleuth, you uh, might be able to find uh, the adventure on Reddit because we were outed by a few people. Oh, really? Yeah, well, we'll get into that later. Where were you when you were outed? I will not tell you. Oh, God, come on. <laughs> when but, do we find out what you were driving and where you were? Uh, a couple weeks. What's really funny, though, is we were in a uh, fairly small mountain town. And I was in a particular vehicle, and uh, heads were turning like crazy. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Well, I'll tell you more when it's time, but it just was unbelievable. Was this a gas or diesel-powered vehicle? So when these people walked in front of me, mm-hmm. they looked, they double-took. The guy said something to his girlfriend or his wife, swung back his head around, and goes, Hey, Holman! No way. So it must have been a podcast listener. And I don't know who it was, but I thought it was hilarious, and everybody... Who was with me? That who, did not happen. Who were, who were from said uh, or unsaid uh, vehicular manufacturer? Mm-hmm. Were like, dude, do you think he's going to out you? And I'm like, I hope not. You th- that did not happen. You're a lying sack of shit. No, There's it no happened. Way. That, that not only did that happen, no, but it happened twice. It also happened to it Moab. Did, it did not. Yes, it did not. So we go outside. Uh, from, that ain't true. No. Yeah, that's not true. I'm telling you, it didn't happen. So get your facts. Well, the fact of the matter is, we went to a little coffee shop in a uh, another well-known off-road town mm-hmm. out in somewhere in the middle of America. Uh, there are people right now listening who are putting this together. And uh, we saw a lady with two really cute kids and two really cute dogs. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I had to get my my puppy scratches in. And it turns out uh, her husband, uh, I actually know him. He goes, "Hey, Holman," and they're like, "Seriously, dude? No, like, stop this? Did not? You're not this. wrong. You yeah. just maybe less." Then right. Nope, I'm 100% right, and it was super weird, let me tell you. Holman spotted in the wild. Twice. On one trip. They spotted you because you, you're not a TV star. No, I'm nobody. I have a stupid podcast. It's ears. I don't, uh, why do they know what I look like? I don't know. That's, That's what I'm saying. It's weird. Hmm. It's, it's odd. Like, I'm on a few videos here and there and do stuff, but for two different people to be like, hey, what's up? It was it was super odd. Anyway, cool. hey, if you're listening and you're the guy from that small mountain town that did that, either call or send an email and tell Lightning. I want to know what's, what was going through your mind. I would love to know. I think that would be cool. Well, he called me Holman. Well, they, a lot of people don't call me oh, Holman oh, unless they're podcast I understand. listeners. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. He must have heard you say something. Because, like, no. what, I mean, guys used to ask if I was lightning back way back in the day. They'd mm-hmm. hear my voice. And it's like, but I was in a vehicle. There's no way he heard me. He saw my face. What? And whispered something to his uh, female significant other and then turned around. Hey, Holman. That was cool. weird, dude. That, it was cool. That's, that's was cool. So, what you were going to say before I rudely interrupted you yes. is that uh, when we're out exploring the backcountry, I'm always uh, bringing my iPad mini with me because I've got Onyx Off Road, the GPS tool. That has uh, over 550,000 miles of roads and trails on it, including road and trail open and close dates, vehicle restrictions. Homie, you always talk about the iPad mini. Have you tried a full-size iPad, or is it just too... Oh, just too big. You don't need that much real estate. Okay. Onyx Off-Road is the GPS tool that allows you to adventure to new places with 550,000 miles of roads and trails, including road and trail open and close dates, any vehicle restrictions, and it includes 985 million acres of public land across the U.S., the map lights up uh, with trails that are shown as green. These are the featured trails that have been driven by experts that include photos, trail descriptions, and difficulty ratings, making it super easy to plan your next trip. If 
you want to see your current location on the map, you can do it with or without cell service with their offline map mode. They also have 3D maps. Uh, premium is only $29.99 a year for the entire country. It's less than one tank of gas these days, guys. And, of course, you can step up to Elite, which offers all the trails and detailed maps, plus private land ownership for only $99.99 a year for all 50 states. And Lightning, dude, it's totally worth it just to keep me from getting shot from being on someone's land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe you don't use that one. You just use your Apple Maps. You'll be fine. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. I know Lightning is one of those guys who's on the fence. Lightning, I'm going to tell you right now, you can try it free for seven days and they won't even ask for your credit card. Uh, that's a good deal. I'm in. Go to onyxmaps.com. While you're out prowling the backcountry, you're going to do it in comfort if you choose Bill Stein shocks. These are the shocks you want on your truck. They're from the company that invented the Monitor way back in 1955. Bill Stein has full coverage today for all popular vehicles, including direct replacement, performance, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts. In fact, you can find Bill Steins from the factory on Nissan Titans, Frontiers, Ram TRX, and the new Ford Bronco. When manufacturers want the best, they choose Bill Stein. You should, too. Bill Stein also has direct replacement aftermarket fitments like the new Smooth Body 8100s, Wrangler JLs, and uh, Gladiator JTs, along with their new line of control arms for Tacomas. Did you get yours yet? Uh, there is a bunch of stuff that's on the way. It's mm. going to be awesome. Okay. Hey, uh, Upper Control Arms, our friends that make them, are they uh, crying themselves to sleep at night now? Because uh, Bill Stein is the market? Them, yeah. Yes. I don't know. I'm excited to know more. We're going to have those guys uh, on the show soon to talk about some oh, of those good. parts. And uh, as soon as I get the 8100, so it turns out that uh, AV will be offering the 8100s. I'm getting one of the very first sets, but it requires a different bumper than what I have. So they're also going to be replacing my bumper. <laughs> so we're going into show season right uh -huh. now, and my uh, my JL is going to be on display at Overland Expo West in uh, in Arizona. Oh, look at you. And also at our friend Mike Rice's Adventure Off-Road uh, deal. Hey, I'll be, be there. there. Oh, you'll be there? Yeah. Well, then you get to check out my new Cerakoted wheels. No joke. What color did you do again? Uh, I believe it's called Burnt Bronze. Burnt Bronze. Mm -hmm. How's that different than just bronze? Did I show you that? No. You didn't see that picture? No. What? Why would I be asking what color they are if I had seen the photo? Look at that. Oh, dang. Hold on. Let me see the photo. That looks good. Yeah, it looks now, great. Now, hold on. So you say burnt bronze. That mm -hmm. that would lead me to believe that it's a deeper shade. It is. But you got to remember, this is the lighting is in their booth. So, so this is fluorescent lighting. Yeah, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Okay. That's a good color. And the rings are going to be Onyx, which is a- uh, like, like Onyx a, Maps? Like a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, uh, in fact, Onyx Maps has a uh, AV uh, build they just finished. No, it's going to have the rings on that are going to be uh, basically a uh, metallic graphite color. Look at you. Damn. So you by the are time changing you, parts on this truck more often than I change underwear. I'm not changing. I'm updating parts updating, so that I can it. use it because the uh, wheeling season is coming mm, soon. I see. Good mm. excuse. going to be rad. And Admit that you love upgrading parts. I do. More than as much as you do wheeling. The difference is that I don't get bored of my vehicle and then sell it. I'm upgrading my parts to use them. Thanks to uh, Bill Stein for uh, helping us out on this show. <laughs> yeah, we really exactly. appreciate it. You guys make some awesome shocks and upgrades. Uh, you know our friend uh, Graham over at Go Fast Campers. Yes. What I about my uh, V2 rooftop tent coming too? Now you're just gloating. Right. Because what's going to happen <laughs> is when you see it at the- uh, at the um, Mike Rice's event? Uh -huh. Yes. Off-road, uh, what is it called? Adventure Off-Road. Adventure Off-Road. Yep. Uh, you're going to uh, see it in all its glory. You're going to go, it looks different. Why? Mm. Will the clouds be parted with a, just a single beam of light shining down? I mean, that's basically how I roll all the time anyway, <laughs> right? Really? Yeah. The, the beam of light follows yeah. you wherever you're. It's, it's awesome. God's I, personal spotlight. That's right. I live, I live my best life all I the time. See. I got gotcha. you. I tell you about the time where I was at church because I'm an usher, and uh, I was passing the basket for money, and I was walking up the aisle, and a guy goes, hey. And I said, yeah? He goes, 
do you have a podcast? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, yeah, sure, come happen. on. <laughs> You're a lying sack of <laughs> shit. No, that did not happen. I was not lying <laughs> sack of that at church. Anyway, I'm like, yeah, he goes, I really like it. <laughs> so uh-huh. apparently, uh, you know, that was a while ago, but still, yeah. still happened. It would have been way funnier if he had leaned over to you and then whispered this. All right, listen, uh, thank you very much to Bill Stein. And uh, if you guys go to BillStein.com, you will find all of their parts, their entire catalog, which is extensive. Yes. Including uh, the the CJ5 shocks that go all the way back to 1966 that they still have available, which I'm going to be putting on the... uh, the old GPW with the uh, Deaver Springs I'm having made. It's freaking bonkers. All right, you guys have enough parts, you can stop now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right, it's time to get into the show. We got Dustin Whipple coming up. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything is. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show, oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. You know, Holman, I feel like um, this next interview could be in that, like, running that rarefied air with, like, How did I know you were going to say rarefied air? Literally, as it was coming out of your mouth, I'm like, he's gonna say rare for air, for air. You know why? Because I had my hands up like this. Is that why? Yes. All right. Well, what I don't know what else I would have said with my arms up outstretched like this. I'm I'm Do typing you... the title for this. Should we call it "Whip It Real Good"? Should that be the, uh, <laughs> the episode title? I don't know. Listen, I don't whipple it real good. I've been trying to get Dustin Whipple of Whipple Superchargers uh-huh. fame for on the three show and a half for, years for freaking ever. Thank, yes. Thankfully, you were able to do it before we hit 200 episodes, because otherwise, I would. No, I'd be just as disappointed in you then. So I wanted him on episode 200, but I wasn't confident enough that I'd lock it in. So I just like, I'll take it when I can get it. So Dustin and his family have been making superchargers that basically set the bar for years. And I think we need to get the backstory. So Holman, if you don't mind, uh, dial that number right there. Uh, I mind. You dial it. Okay. No, don't touch my phone. I'll dial it. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Hello? Hello, is this one Mr. Dustin Whipple of Whipple Superchargers fame? It sure is. <laughs> it's Lightning at Home and Truck Show Podcast. What's How you doing? What's happening? Good myself. We're doing, we're doing awesome. Hey, before we can uh, get you talking, we've got a quick intro to play, and it's awful. We're warning you now, but we have to do it because everyone gets one. Don't move. It's the inside job, baby. Yes, it is. It's the inside job now. Oh, it's the inside job, baby. It's time for you to share what you do. Would you like that? I had stereo. Uh-huh. That was nice. It yeah, that was, it was nice. nice. So it's the inside job. That's where we're going to go inside and find out all about Whipple Superchargers. Now, Dustin, you're a guy that we've wanted on the show, I think maybe since Three we years. Started. Yeah, so that's my bad. Dustin, can I, can I just tell you that on uh, show number one, Jay goes, you know, I know Dustin Whipple. We should have him on the show. This is now show 190-something, if you count our bonuses. <laughs> And this is, like, lightning has finally come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suck. Well, hopefully it's worth the wait. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it won't be because lightning, you know, he's... he's what are you talking about? What? That's enough trash talking. I'm fine. <laughs> it was just, I got him on the show. Here he is. He's all right. So all right, He has to acquit you as your accomplice now. 
Okay. <laughs> so, Dustin, man, where do we even start? I think the reason that we, we wanted you to get, there was even more heat to get you on the show recently, was the announcement of Shelby's F-150 throwing 775 horsepower, I think, to the ground, right? I don't know if that's flywheel or to the ground, but um, powered by a Whipple supercharger. And we're like, Wait, what? How? Who need to get this guy on the horn? Aftermarket to OE, that's always a nice jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's actually it is uh that is flywheel horsepower calculated okay. from uh, rear wheel results. Uh, rear wheel results are generally between uh, 580 to 630 depending on the octane range. I mean, I guess that's okay. Oh, <laughs> that's still huge. I am no, surprised. Awesome. I am surprised you're. There's so much drivetrain loss there. Yeah, I mean, with the the larger wheels and tires uh, are added to that, yeah, as well as uh, just you know through an auto transmission, four wheel drive, everything. So the stock one actually uh, outputs about 335. Part of the reason is too we can't run them in seventh gear, which is the one to one ratio. So there is a little bit of a loss by running them in fifth gear on the dyno. And that's basically because of the drive shaft speeds would be um, off the charts. And we don't want to do that on the F-150. Gotcha. How did that deal happen? Did you have a relationship with Shelby and or Ford or? Yeah, we've been working. We've actually been working with uh, Shelby for quite some time now. So it's just a just another version of the Shelby trucks from prior. There was a, the 2015 through 2021 models, all the, the same versions. And I think what's special about this is this system carries a carb EO. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we have pride on ourselves to make sure that our kits are legal for uh, all 50 states. And uh, the 2021 is no exception. And that comes at a time when, for those of you that live in California, or I'm sure that you know, motorsports fans or uh, fans of cars and trucks in general have heard about what's happening in California with they're now going to start busting it's already started. You know, they've already started busting people when they go to get their car smogged. And if they see that the ECM has been tampered with, they're going to send you to the quote unquote referee and it's going to yep. get ugly. Yep. That's yeah. why every time we do, uh, you know, blower projects in the magazines and stuff, it's we will only do it if it has a car BO because it's not worth it for us to go through that hassle. And people say, yeah, but outside of California, you can get, you know, 20, 25 percent more power. It's like. Yeah, but a lot of states and the majority of states with the population, most people are going to have to do with the carb kit. And so it's it's always good to uh, to play at the carb kit. And if there's an alternative out there, then you know it's going to be you know, that much better. How much exactly. how much work, Dustin, was it was it to get a, a carb executive order? It's pretty difficult, but we've done it so many times that it's kind of a system now for us. So the uh, you know, hard part is we've got to accumulate a certain amount of miles, so we got to get a truck. We got to accumulate some miles on it. Then we got to start our testing. So it really is more than just the hard work. It's a lot of time. And that's the biggest thing is, of course, being first to market is always one of the things that we pride ourselves on. And uh, when you have all this time delays and, of course, COVID has slowed everything down, um, you know, carb, they're all working uh, from home now. So there's a lot, a lot of differences that it was before. So the 21 was a little bit harder than some of the other projects. But the state of California moves so quickly. I'm surprised to hear you say <laughs> Especially that. Especially in COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Exactly. I just can't believe that lightning glossed over that entire thing that you just said. The one thing that should have piqued his interest blew right on Blight. Which, right which one? 
The part where he says, we have a hard time accumulating the miles on the truck. Usually that's where you raise your hand and go, oh, I'll do it for you, Dustin. Me, me, choose me, pick me. No, he already got it done. (laughs) Oh, now he does, but he's going to have other trucks in the future. He's going to need your help. I mean, maybe. That's right. That's where you volunteer. Yeah, Yeah, see? Listen, he's got employees who love this stuff as much as I do. So I don't think he's reaching out going, oh, I need someone to put miles on one of our trucks. Uh, he just did. He said subliminally in the subtext. <laughs> so he did not. Lightning, come come up here and drive my trucks for me. I, I'm trying to hook a brother up, and you're right, well, being resistant it. to my uh, my I'm, help. But look, the only reason you know that I've been looking at buying an F-150 is to put his supercharger on it. So let's talk about that. Yeah? We're actually not going to talk about the truck, but let's talk about the blower. What makes a Whipple supercharger different? There's obviously... A lot of different superchargers. There's centrifugal. There's rotors. There's, of course, the famous Eaton uh, TVS style. The roots. The roots. There's all sorts of different styles. What What is the style that Whipple relies on, and what makes your blower different than some of the other supercharger? And not necessarily why yours is better than brand X or Y, but what goes into it? What makes Whipple Whipple? Yeah, so the main part of the supercharger is going to be that it's a twin screw supercharger. So that's what we've been doing since the early 80s. Um, before, we used to import those from uh, companies from Sweden. And uh, about uh, roughly 12 years ago, we started building our own superchargers. And we've had multiple generations. Um, as we've learned more, um, computer software has gotten better to aid in design. And uh, we now have what we call the Gen 5. And Living out the 2021 is actually a Gen 5X because we had already done a Gen 5, but we had learned more in the inlet design, the shaft design, the coupling designs that were different to help improve flow even more. And so the 2021 is featuring now a Gen 5X, and uh, it runs a three-liter uh, displacement. So it's the biggest, uh, most powerful supercharger, especially that we're talking carb legal. And uh, one of the really unique features is that it's got a patent dual core, dual pass. So it's the entire lid of the supercharger is an intercooler, which when you see one in person, you'll understand how large that actually is. So it's actually got two two inch thick cores. The air goes through it once, and then it goes back through the cores again twice. So it acts as if the cores are four inches thick all the way across. And so we get incredible cooling capacity. So in general, in daily driving, uh, obviously you have a lot of underhood heat, but you'll see anywhere from about a 10 to 20 degree delta from your inlet temp to your manifold temps, which allows, you know, 10 to 12 PSI boost on pump gas, which is very hard to do with today's 12 to 1 compression motors. I mean, a 20 so, degree difference is nothing. Yeah. It, yeah. That's incredible. That boost level. It's just, and it'll maintain, um, it's actually generally hotter, you know, at idle and car throttle because you don't have enough mass flow going through the system and so you get a lot of you know stagnant airflow and well, it's funny uh why you know you hook up a bank's i dash and have it you know have all the sensors in there and if you have it attached to a blower you'll see like at cruise how you know the difference is is pretty small and the compressor is pretty hot and the minute yep. you mat it you think it would create more heat but it actually drops temps because it's it blowing all that all that air through the system Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, in the older days of the older superchargers, they weren't as efficient. So the temps would always just go up. And then, you know, you had trouble scrubbing that heat out with these newer systems with a bigger heat exchanger, bigger pumps, bigger intercoolers, better blowers. The heat is really not a problem anymore. Um, so 
now it's just a matter of how much boost can you run with that compression ratio in the octane you know, available to us today. And uh, <clears throat> that's where all the power comes from. So if we had higher, a little higher octane, we'd make more power. But that's our that is our current limitation right now. It's just purely octane. So Dustin, the question I have for you is uh, exactly about octane, right? So yep. you know, in most. Uh, superchargers that are carb legal will say 91 or 93. Here in California, 93 is almost impossible to find, at least in Southern California. There's yep. only a few places. But when you travel cross-country, the octane changes based on altitude, based on you know the general geography of, of the area, whereas you know low rent or low octane might be 85 in some places, 87 in others. When you say 91 octane, do you, I'm guessing you have to have a buffer because gas stations can be diluted. You don't want there to be a problem, and you don't want your customer to have to carry octane booster with them all the time, right? So how do you guys right. tune for, quote, unquote, 91 to make sure that it's always safe, no matter what, as long as it says 91 and it's close, that the, the customer, you know, as long as they put that in there, they're okay? Yeah, so in di- each system that we have is different. So like GM, Dodge, Ford, each has its own little, you know, system and own features so the 21 is a little more unique it has an octane rating capacity so if it's uh, detecting consistent knock retard from the knock sensor which is very accurate by the way in the 21s it will go to a uh, lower octane table and it'll lower the power when you fill it up with gas again uh, anything more than 25 percent fill up will reset the octane table so that it'll be back to full power it can also learn back up, but generally, if you're having one always pulling timing out, it won't just magically, you know, go up unless the octane has changed. So, um, when you're in the, uh, you know, 93 octane, generally it's always adding timing, and therefore you're getting the most amount of power on the 93 octane. So, 93 definitely West Coast, very hard to find. 92 every once in a while you can find in some a couple places and states, but generally the cows are built for 91, where 93 always adds power. And um, anything lower than 91 will definitely lower power. 91 is the nominal. And uh, the one cool thing about some of the Ford applications is it has a knock feed forward system. And that what that does is allows the knock sensor feedback that if it doesn't detect any knock, it will try to advance uh, according to the what we put in the tables. And generally, it's between two to four degrees of spark advance in on the, these motors every degree is roughly 20 horsepower. So it's a, it's a big change. You know, you can give it four degrees more timing. And, and you're using, I mean, all these, these uh, engines today are variable valve timing. So you can use the cam yep. phasing to kind of help you get to your goal where in, in the old days they didn't have any of that. And so there's other tricks you'd have to do. Exactly. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that is one of the tricks to the coyote is that we can pull all the way up to 7,000 RPM. And we, by changing the cam schedule, we can continue the engine flow which is, of course, power all the way up through the RPM. And that's what differs from the GM and the Fords. They just have trouble breathing at the same at the higher RPMs that those coyotes do. So is, and, that, is that part of the problem? So you know, I've driven a lot of different aftermarket supercharged vehicles, and especially in modern vehicles, say the last two to five years maybe. And it yeah. always seems like the tuning is, is 100% of the time the, the issue. It seems like... The hardware is good. You don't get knocking. You don't have overheating. There's not a reliability issue, but it really comes down to drivability where you get surging or you feel like the, the computer is fighting itself a little bit to try and figure out what the, the right place to be is. Or maybe in the yep. mid-range, it's, it's sort of lumpy, but higher range is fine. So wide open throttle, no problem, but you are merging or something like that, and you kind of get this little hesitation. Maybe explain that as a, as a supercharger manufacturer and tuner. 
What are you looking for? What causes that? What do people need to know about that? Yeah, that is uh, in the newer computers, that is definitely something that we all fight. Um, on the Ford, we're able to modify the software in a way that most people cannot. And we can actually put the supercharger model on in that because they actually have a model for from some of the applications and we were able to turn that on and then we map all the different cam positions with the bypass in multiple different positions and so then we turn on the bypass model so that allows us to predict where the the bypass is at all times to minimize any kind of surge so the basically the fords applications do not surge they never fight themselves they feel very smooth very oe-ish other than more aggressive obviously the power the gm and dodge they're a little different they're torque based systems and they're not made for superchargers at least the gm were not able to turn on the supercharger model of like the lt4 applications and therefore what happens is when it gets to zero boost it is confused because it's basically making more torque than it's generally targeted and uh, what it's trying to do is put the throttle, if you're trying to, say, get 500 foot pounds of torque, the throttle goes to, say, 40% or whatever number that is. Well, when the torque is off, then it tries to hunt and tries to get it, and it'll overshoot and undershoot. Mm. And at the same time, you have the bypass opening and closing, and the centrifugals, will, you'll have them just starting to spool and make more boost. So we all fight that, and that there's some of the tricks to the trade of, you know, controlling the bypass and, what you do for torque control and torque output on the uh, in the computer cows. It, it's it's a fight, you know. So and it obviously gets more and more difficult as the computers get more and more advanced. So Dustin, you have teamed up with Ford. That's what I'm hearing anyway from this from what you're saying, because as as I know it, in twenty one, Ford locked everybody out of that ECM. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we work hand in hand with Ford on multiple projects that uh, have for years since the uh, 2005 Mustang. And uh, we are able to use the software in these type of applications, you know, I'd say as, as we see fit, right? We need to make it in an OEM manner so we can make it very smooth and we can do things that most people can't do. On the 21, there was a whole new encryption level uh, in over-the-air flashing, and we have the ability to flash those. So we're, you know, on the 21, we're first to market. We're the only people offering the supercharger. We're the only people doing the calibrations. We're the only people doing that and the EcoBoost right now. And uh, it'll be very hard for the, you know, the other aftermarket companies to uh, follow suit on these newer ones. And that that is some of the things that are happening now in GM and Dodge. Everybody's going to this this level. So what happens when you uh, have an over-the-air updatable ECM, ECU, and you overlay your fuel table and what you need for the uh, supercharger tune, and the factory says, oh, we figured out something that's wrong. We're sending out an update to your ECM. How does that affect it, and what does that look like on the customer side? Yeah, so the on the over-the-air on the 21, whenever we do the calibration, it is uh, turned off so that they cannot do it over-the-air for the PCM only. There's 40 other modules on the vehicle that can still get their over-the-air updates, but the PCM itself has to be done by us. Oh, my God. There's 40 modules on that truck? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I just think, yeah. like, you got the Dude, that's the why ECM. there's a chip shortage. you got so many trucks exactly. in parking lots right now. Well, no, seriously, exactly. though. Each one takes a module that has a chip on it. Think about that. Well, but yeah. generally, I Redundant. thought they were just all controlled. Like, you've got, the, you've got the, the ECM, the TCM, and the body control module, no, right? No, because oh, those no. CAN bus. Airbag, instrument cluster. Everything yes. is, um, nothing centralized. Everything's decentralized now. So over the CAN yeah. net, all these different modules, some of, uh, for example... There might be a module that has a primary task, 
but maybe it has some sort of accelerometer or yaw data in it. So it's talking to another module that might be a completely different system, but it's maybe validating what that module is doing. And they're all talking to each other, but there's not like before, like you're saying, it's a couple of computers run your transmission, run your engine, you're good to go. No, I mean, they're think of it like even like a Ram TRX. You know, you've yep. got, you know, the body control module for the vehicle itself, plus you have the one for the shocks. So, yep. for example, on a TRX with the uh, the Bilsteins, when it jumps and it goes into jump detection mode, it doesn't just stiffen up the shocks like you will, like what happens on, say, a Raptor with live valve. It actually goes through a whole cascading effect where it locks the transmission so that it doesn't upshift while you're in the air. It also decouples the clutches in the transfer case so that you don't throw that shock load through, and it alters the shock tuning on the fly while you're in the air. So all these modules, and then you have ride height sensors so they can tell where the position of the shocks are. So now you have suspension talking to drivetrain, which is, in my mind, unbelievable. Like, the technology that goes into that and how integrated, you know, I look at all these people putting, like, leveling kits on TRXs and stuff right now, and you're just going... You can Dude, ruin yeah, it. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and traction controls feeding back. Uh, yeah, and like I said, the yaw, you know, sensor for uh, stability. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it's nowadays it's so complex. Before, so there, a lot of times we find can errors and stuff like that when, you know, during programming stages, whatever, because uh, you have to put all the modules to sleep. It's, it's just a lot more things that can go wrong nowadays, and so, you know, that's why it takes so long to usually get to market to work out all those kind of kinks. What does it mean for someone who picks up a uh, a new Ford F one fifty, orders your supercharger kit, and is his name Lightning? No, it's not me in this case. Okay, just because I, I know Dustin. Hopefully, he'd hook, he'd hook me up if this situation arose. Uh-huh. But I'm in some other part of the country, not by Fresno, California, which I'm dying to know how you ended up in Fresno. But and I put the put this on there. What does it do to my warranty? How does it? What does that look like if something does happen? In general, we always void the powertrain warranty from the factory unless it's something that was deemed not caused by the supercharger, right? So they'll never void your airbag, your windows, your dash, your cluster, ABS systems. They're, they're not going to avoid those. They can't via the Magnuson Moss Act. But the, if the engine throws a rod, something of that nature, generally that will be voiding by the uh, factory unless they had maybe a you know a rod recall or something you know something of that nature an oiling issue with oil pump gears or something maybe that would be covered under warranty in that case but what we do is we have a supplemental warranty that is a three-year 36,000 mile warranty that you can buy separately and uh, that's got up to $15,000 of coverage and so that's highly recommended for any of the you know, customers that are buying the newer vehicles and that's fairly affordable Yes, it is. It's $650. Oh, yeah. It's totally worth it. Okay. Now, earlier you brought up the Ford EcoBoost, and I'm like, oh, hold on. Wait, stop. Time out. That's a turbo. I have a Ford EcoBoost. Well, so, and then I'm thinking, I'm scrolling around your website, and I go, "Uh uh-oh, webmaster at whipplesuperchargers.com is going to get fired because it says 2021 Ford Bronco on there, but it doesn't have any info yet. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, someone leaked some (laughs) Somebody's getting some SEO benefit off that right now. Is that what happened? Right. So (laughs) what's up with you? I see the 2018 to 2020 Ford F-150 2.7 liter EcoBoost Stage 1 kit. You got a couple stages. How did you get in that business? And and, and we have a lot of EcoBoost owners listening to the show, I know for a fact. Oh, yeah. You know, over the years, we've become more of airflow management experts, more than just supercharging experts, right? All the things we've learned and 
how to do air boxes, how to get systems, you know, to flow properly to get into the supercharger, the same as getting out the supercharger and intercooling, it all transfers over to some degree to the EcoBoost applications. Plus, we have the ability with Ford to do things that, you know, other, others can't do, as well as having a good dealer network and everything. So in roughly 16, we decided to, you know, get into the EcoBoost. We also knew there's things coming that was going to make it a little bit harder for everybody else. And we saw obviously the the push for the four cylinder, five cylinder, six cylinder, whatever motors, you know, downsizing. So we felt that we would want to widen our breath a little bit. So, so we got into the EcoBoost market with just an intercooler calibration and air kit. And to my knowledge, we're still the only ones with a valid EO for that combination for all the Ford products. What if you had a, uh, EcoBoost crate motor from Ford Performance that was sitting in your non-smog uh, 67 F100 with Raptor <laughs> turbos on it and then needed a little help. Yep, yep, we can definitely do that too, <laughs> yes. If only we knew someone with that exact scenario. <laughs> oh, oh right, interesting. Exactly. Interesting, so, yeah, interesting. So we have uh, you know bigger intercoolers and uh, and tunes and air boxes and air kits and everything, and we get the we use the high, factory hydrocarbon traps we worked with ford to source the hydrocarbon traps so we we put those in stock so you know, we you're we sounding more and more oh like a tier one supplier Dude, than I'm an aftermarket you, company every so, moment we're talking to you this is crazy <laughs> yeah. like i happen to know that that is a massive stumbling block for oh, yeah. for aftermarket companies well because you can't do the volume those guys in the in the supply chain want to do for you well, and it's hard to source that let's stuff. just tell just stop at, at carbon traps yeah. and tell everybody uh, dustin what a carbon trap is and why what it is what it is and why it's hard to get. Can I just point out when I started at Truckin' Magazine back in like 2000 and I don't know, one or something like that, we were putting Whipples on boat engines and stuff like that. And now we're talking about Whipple is doing EO numbers and carbon traps. You're right. <laughs> right? I mean, right? like yeah. just in the in the 20 years that I've seen the, the company progress, it's pretty amazing that you guys have have changed and evolved you adapt. that much. They've it's amazing. adapted, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the the carbon trap is uh, what replaces the old charcoal canister. So basically, it's a crushed uh, type of charcoal, and it's made there to uh, help t- um, absorb some of the uh, particles that come back when the injectors leak into the air. So it's basically trying to trap any of the particulates that are coming out uh, and leaking through the air system. So with carb they really want the stock carbon traps in there you can buy some other types of materials but it's not stock it's stock specified and passed the testing so they really want these stock materials in there and that is a little bit harder to get so it would we did have to you know work really hard to get the sources for that and and get that uh made so that so all our kits now today that require carbon traps all use factory oem carbon traps that are welded into the plastic so it's a that was a big thing a big project and i I know i have some friends who work at a turbo manufacturer and they were thinking about doing something with the ecoboost and it came down to a matter of tuning and that became the hurdle they couldn't cross and here you are with the tuning so that is that's a major advantage for whipple yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the next level of stages we just haven't got to only because of time was to run the bigger turbos, you know, but we just haven't quite got there. And, of course, they keep changing the turbos at a rapid rate. And so by the time you start to develop a turbo, they've already gone on to a new turbo, a new exhaust manifold. And so it's very difficult because there's certain things you can change and certain things you can't. You don't want to change the exhaust manifold if you don't have to because that's much harder to pass 
emissions with um, so anything pre-cat is very hard to pass a turbo is a little bit easier by itself as long as it holds to the factory exhaust manifolds but what we try to do is every you know we do a lot of racing and then we do a lot of street emissions based kits and that's what we try to do always is push the envelope as much as we can make as much power as possible yet satisfy carbon epa laws because we feel that that has been the best way we've done that since you know 80s our first eo was in 1989 you know we started in 88 and so the uh we've always just tried to continue that and i think that's the you know the best way going forward because obviously everybody can see the writing on the wall it's you know if you're not doing that you're going to be in trouble at some point to dovetail off that, I see you also have a, a Toyota Tundra competition kit. Now, this is not in that same realm. It doesn't appear to have a carbio, uh, but not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Well, I was going to ask be- yep. because if that that feels like that could explode, you could do really well with that. Yeah, that was that was a, a, a kit that we've been working on a little bit, and uh, it honestly, it actually should have been had its carbio in twenty twenty, but uh, one project led after another. Yeah, it's we have the vehicle. It's done, ready to go, and uh, we're just waiting to uh, get it tested. So that one is very close to having a carbio. Well, especially now that uh, TRD isn't doing any, you know, in-house supercharged kits. I think there's such a um, a legacy of people, you know, putting blowers on the V8s and stuff. And and what options do you have? And Toyota is notorious for how difficult their ECM is to crack. Yeah, exactly. That was actually one of the holdups for a while on the carb side was that the um, 18 and up did not have software. And so that slowed us down because we could only get an EO for the older models. And of course, sales are generally better always for the newer models. And now there is software out there and uh, up to for the 21 and back. And so that's what allowed us to finally get the truck (laughs) done and get a carb prepped and ready um, to go get tested. So, yeah, so that was the that was a big holdup for about a year. And another one that uh, jumps out at me is the uh, the 2020 Ford F250 with a 7.3 liter, the Godzilla. Um, yep. What did it take? Uh, well, now we know that you had the ends with Ford to do the tuning on that. Well, I think we're doing something with you as well. Who's we? You're talking about Motor Trend? Well, I, I think uh, our friend Rory Connell is building something. <gasps> That's right. And he so, is yeah. for that big show in Vegas. That's right. That's so right. I think that we have, I've worked something out with Rory to get some content out of that. Oh. That would be uh, awesome for uh, Whipple see. and the 7-3 thing there. I see there, which you put yes. down. Yes, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a... That would be really good. Yeah, the 7.3, uh, the calibration is uh, done, and we've been waiting, believe it or not. I know it's kind of been uh, the same story, but we're behind on that. But that has been just purely a manufacturing. It's a lot of new castings that we've been waiting for. By the and way, a, best heavy-duty yep. gas engine out there, period. Really? Yep, period. Absolutely. Really? Period. Yep. No, bar none. The 6.6 is a, is a pile. Uh, in yep. the uh, in the GMCs and the and the Chevys and the six four in the Ram is good, but it, the, you know as with all Hemi's, they're a little bit peaky on on torque. That right. seven three is awesome to drive. In fact, Dave Chappelle from Dirt Every Day has a F three fifty or four fifty dually with the seven three. And before he bought, it, he called me and he's like, "Hey, what do you think about this engine? I was thinking about maybe going gas instead of diesel. I've actually talked three people." into getting the 7.3 over the diesel because I'm like, the only thing you're giving up is fuel economy because it's going to be cheaper to maintain, cheaper to buy. 
more reliable. You don't have all the emissions crap hanging out. You don't need DEF. You don't need all that extra you know, maintenance fluids and things like that. And everybody that I talked to in the 7.3 absolutely freaking loves their Super Duty with that engine. It's been an incredible motor, no question. And uh, if, if anybody follows Brian Wolf and some of the things that he's done, he was obviously working Ford and 7.3 was his baby while there. And uh, he's he's pushed it to an insane power level uh, with the uh, three liter supercharger on there. And uh, basically very similar to the supercharger that we're going to production in. And uh, so just showing the potential of what that motor can do is, is quite incredible. Dustin, what's your most popular supercharger today? It's between the F-150 and Mustang, which to us is generally the same, you know, it's the same castings, the same parts, but there's a lot of little changes huh. to the kits, but generally it's between the Mustang and F-150. So would you say that because it's your most popular, that a lot of F-150 customers uh, that they're into customizing oh, their oh, oh, no. trucks. Here we go. Here we go. Right, so here, Dustin, the backstory is, okay, hold on a second. The backstory is we've I like got how a, he had to sit up straighter in his chair to tell the backstory. I, I really do. The backstory is that for a long time, I've been maintaining uh-huh. that most Ford F-150s on the road are fleet vehicles that are unmodified. Now, I'm not saying that there are no modified F-150s, but I'm saying... It, although they say it's, uh, quote-unquote, America's best-selling truck, and it is, right. most right. of them, when you look at the vehicles in operation data, so many of them are, are, are okay. fleet vehicles. So for me, is anything you change from stock, right? And I'm trying now, to get this point, and, and Lightning's like, no, uh, f- fleet beds don't count, uh, tint doesn't count, shocks don't count, <laughs> bumpers don't count. You're going no, down the list, I like, didn't you, say it wasn't bumpers. Well, it's like wheels, tires, bumpers. Things you, you just can, said bumpers. Those, no, you, you can, those count. Those okay. count. What I'm saying Fair is enough. like, what I didn't count was like work bodies, things That's like that. That's totally no, a modification. It's, but, no, it's fleet. It's fleet. <laughs> it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It does matter. Okay, so here, I, I'm curious. It doesn't matter. I'm curious. How successful has this been, this new supercharger for you? you know, are you expecting to sell 100 pieces? 2000 pieces what do you think Go oh yeah th- thousands i mean we've already we've already sold thousands of them so we're <laughs> um, yeah, oh my god <laughs> yeah it, it's uh we do very well hook a brother up out the back door man lightning's gonna be back there with his uh pickup truck uh the tailgate down just waiting for the uh the right. night shift guy to leave hey <laughs> hey see that box over there yep yeah Dustin said, "Just throw it in the back. It'll be cool. Don't worry about uh-huh. it." Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Bring him a Slurpee and try yeah, and yeah. pay so him we, off. We, it's a big, it's a big market. Yeah, the, there's no question that the GM has. Uh, I would say it would be second to that. The the GM truck SUV, but with the new computer on the SUV, they've limited the sales to that because we can't modify the computer at this current time. So we only do the previous. So you can do 2020 and below on the SUV which has always been a very good market just because of the weight of the vehicles and the customizing that goes on to those. And then the uh, trucks. Trucks are never quite as good as SUVs on the GM market, but they're still very good. And I think that is part of the reason, just like we were saying on the F-150s, there, there's a lot of fleets and stuff like that that maybe would not do the supercharger. Customizing is, is very large on the SUV market. I'm digging the, uh, the 2005 to 2006 Four GT supercharger system with a four point five liter blower on it. <laughs> oh my! What I mean? What's the power on that got to be? That's insanity. Yeah, I mean, yeah they, they'll they'll make about nine hundred. You know. <laughs> oh, dude! Wow. How do you? They're already undrivable cars. They already oh, yeah. don't have traction control and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And they're already already a, a scary pure driver's vehicle with the stock blower on it. I can't even imagine what that's essentially doubling the the horsepower. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and we 
we've taken those are older designs that we haven't actually ever adapted any of the newer ones. I, I think we would easily be able to make a thousand, thousand fifty on the stock engines with on pump gas. It, it, that, those <laughs> on pump gas, he said. Car. You know what's yeah. you know what's rad about that car? You can totally fit a four point five liter supercharger under it because it's not under a hood; it's mid engine, right? So there's exactly. at least ten inches until the glass. You got room for more, Dustin. Oh yeah, yeah. We got we definitely definitely got more. Room. What's the big and it's fifty state legal? But what's the biggest yep. blower you offer in terms of uh, liter size? Right now it's eight point three liter, but we have. <laughs> That's comical. <laughs> what I mean? Okay, kid, is it possible to over? supercharge an engine like if you want if you had a miata four-cylinder and you're like i want the 8.3 liter blower sitting on top of it and you could and you can in theory make engineer it so that that worked i mean what's the downside of too big of a blower versus in a small engine is there something that you have? They have to be right sized, or are you you gaining efficiencies anywhere? Yeah, about that. yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, so if you oversize the supercharger, um, you know to an extensive level, right? Put a three on a very small motor, something like that. What you'll deal with is the bigger the supercharger, generally the bigger the leak path because you have more inertia, more weight. You have to have a little more clearance. Well, explain yeah. leak path. What do you mean? And I think we should also back up and say we're, we're assuming everyone understands that we, when we talk about a, a three liter, a 3.8, a five liter, what do we mean? We're talking about every revolution that's moving 3.8 liters of, of air? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the theoretical uh, airflow, which is basically made at 100% efficiency. Yeah, with everything being perfect on exactly you know, yeah, in a perfect right. world. So in one revolution, that'd be three liters of air, right? So, you know, in general, you can compare that to an engine, right? The say on the 5.0 for the F-150, the three liter is pumping a five liter, so we have to overspeed the compressor to maximize the airflow to make a positive pressure, right? So if you don't spin it fast enough, you technically could have vacuum, not even boost. So, so Whoa, you, that would be weird. What happens when you have <laughs> vacuum into an engine instead of boost? It tries to suck it, the rotors no, I, in, right? I understand. It sucks I, the oil right out of the motor. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. ETV and stuff. Yeah, you don't, you don't want that. <laughs> I mean, I would want to see that on a dyno just for <laughs> and giggles. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not gonna break any records on power. That's for sure. And at what RPM are you spinning the uh, the supercharger in the F one fifty? Like to make? So yeah, so that one would be usually around eleven thousand blower speed. And then peak, leak path. 7, we don't want to forget yeah, so, leak path. Yeah, so leak path is generally the clearance anywhere in the supercharger. Right? There's there's a clearance between rotor to rotor, rotor to housing, rotor to bearing plate, and all those little areas all have a leak path. And when you have a very slow blower speed, you're going to have more leakage through there. So if you oversize the compressor and have to turn the blower really slow, you're going to leak a lot more air, meaning you're going to get less air per revolution than what you're looking for, which means the parasitic losses and everything are going to be higher. Which means you're essentially you're less efficient because you're not exactly. getting as much out of the blower. And you still have to remember on a supercharger – there's still a belt that's spinning it, so the engine's still powering it. It's it's not a perpetual motion machine, but there's a direct relationship between how hard the the engine's working versus what it's spinning the uh, the supercharger at. Well, what is that parasitic loss on, say, an F-150? Any idea? Yeah, so on the F-150 peak, uh, so if you had 10 pounds of boost and 7,000 engine RPM at a roughly 11,000 lower speed, you're looking at about 45 to 50 horsepower loss through the supercharger. And by comparison, how about like a um, uh, a dragster? What kind of I've heard that those those dragster blowers those are old like 
uh, yeah, fourteen seventy one, right? fourteen seventy one, yeah. something like that. Those are taking a couple hundred horsepower to turn. Is that correct? Yeah, most of them when you're in, they were in the higher boost levels, right? So at the higher boost levels, you're going to take significantly more power. And uh, some of those uh, last who were in the market, uh, they were in the thousand to twelve hundred horsepower range at the fifty to sixty psi of boost. Oh my god! And then can we just go back real quick? So. Yes, it takes 45 horsepower to run the blower at wide open throttle peak RPM, but the blower is replacing that. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense to put a blower on. Of course. Yeah, exactly. right. Of yeah. course. But I'm just saying for somebody listening going, wait, yeah. why, why is it losing power at that RPM? You know, Why is it taking that power from the engine? Because you guys are talking about making power. But it's just there's at that point, you are so far below diminishing returns, right? You have to put in something to get something. And in the case of the supercharger, you're getting a lot more out of it than you're putting into it. Exactly, and that's why you wouldn't run in vacuum at full throttle because you're going to have some parasitics to move that air, and uh, therefore you definitely would not have uh, good gains. But in the F-150, we're making somewhere between 275 to 300 horsepower on top of the stock power. So we're not quite 100% in it, but it's about 85 to 90% power increase with 10 PSI, which is really an unheard of power level, you know, compared to anything that we have, you know, done in years past. This is incredible power gain. So, yeah, so you're taking, if you took that, you would get 340 horsepower, you know, gain if you had no power consumption loss, but that's just basically impossible. So it's still really incredible. It, and is it even true? Even turbo would still have loss. Is it true you're working on the Whipple 6th gen and that's the perpetual motion supercharger? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd probably be Gen 7. We are Gen 7, okay, on, got it, got uh-huh. it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is definitely a Gen Six, uh, it, you know, coming at some point. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll see when we uh, do that. But there, when know, those special Gen Sevens come out, will you come back on the show, or will it be another? Because I figure if you come on every three years, by that time, you know, you should have some new technology to talk about. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, episode uh, three hundred eighty, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, let me ask you: when, when you're when you're developing this this supercharger for the F one fifty, how far do you push it? What's your comfort level? And then. And then before you back it down to 775 wheel horsepower, where you know, because listen, you don't want to eat warranty money, right? You're right, you're not exactly. in that business. You want a guy who's going to get a couple hundred thousand miles out of his F-150 with your charger on it. So I'm curious, how far did you push it before you dialed it back? Yeah, so we do a lot of durability testing you know, prior to release. In these type of applications, they're run in a wind tunnel from negative 20 to 130 degrees at wide open throttle for sustained hours to try to get some durability. Um, at the same time, we run cylinder pressure transducers in the cylinders to try to honor a, a peak cylinder pressure limit that generally the piston manufacturers want or say this is the max number, don't exceed it. And so we try to run right up to that cylinder pressure limit and then and not exceed it. So there is always power to be had there, and especially on 93 octane and cool weather, but we actually close the throttle in cooler weather to limit the power and the airflow because we need to honor that to make sure that it lives. Because believe it or not, you actually can hurt the motor the most in cold weather because <clears throat> the difference between a 90 degree day and a 20 degree day can be 70 plus horsepower purely due to the increased you know, O2 yeah, you levels. You don't really feel that. <laughs> you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, everybody says, "Oh, it's fine. It, you know, lives good." But yeah, it, I mean, it, it's just a matter of time, right? So, so we do clip the throttles and those type of applications, and try to pull the power back, take a little timing out of it, and everything. It'll still make the the same power that we're talking about and that we're claiming. It's just not going to go up into the stratosphere. Yeah, exactly. 
900 horsepower that it could make. We've, we've seen some applications make 900 plus, and we just know it's just, I mean, it's a ticking time bomb when you're in those ranges, uh, especially in a truck. And you can get away with it maybe in a small passenger car, but in a truck, you can tow, you can uh, load, you know, you can obviously uh, put a lot of weight in the back. You can put six people in the truck easily with bags in the back. So you're always consistently in a higher load value than a smaller one. So we have to be extra conservative on the F-150s. Does that uh, cement your uh, your decision there, Lightning? I I was It was already cemented. That's not what you said last week. <laughs> what are you talking last about? Last week you were vacillating. <laughs> oh, no. No, about his supercharger. No, 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 no. The, Whipple's, about the, the Whipple supercharger was never in in uh, in discussion. I'm right. talking about vacillating because you, before you're like- In the vehicle? May, yeah, maybe I won't get the F-150, but now I see you over here, and you've got drool that's literally in the corner of your I mouth know, and like little I, sparkles I, in your eyes. I wiped it twice with the napkin. It's, it's creepy. It's right here? Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're glowing over there, and it's it's- well, listen, let me be quite honest with you. So, Dustin, here, here's why I am with that. Like, I've never owned a Ford truck. I've never owned yep. a Ford, in, in period, any Ford product. And right. I fell in love with the F-150 when in 21 when they released the larger 12-inch dash you green. You fell in love when you found out Whipple had a blower for the too. Coyote I, and that you're literally choosing your truck based on yes, Dustin's product. That is absolutely true. I, I was getting I know, to that. I'm saying that. So what happened is I said, oh, I like the Ford F-150. I like to redesign some of the enhancements. Then I find out that he's come to market right. with this. And I go, then that's the guy. But I don't, the truck itself is not my favorite truck as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's just not. My favorite right. truck is the TRX. The TRX is a whopping thirty plus thousand dollars more than the than the Ford. You have eight jobs and you can't afford that. <laughs> I'm just saying. But what I here's what if I buy it if I were to buy a TRX, yeah. there's no mods necessary. It just is what it is, right? You know that I've discussed by, many times. By the way, I also know that that's a false statement from you. Okay, well, listen, you know that for me, it's all about building the Legos. I don't play with the spaceship, you know, or the race car after the Legos are built. I just put on the shelf. I love building Legos. And if I get the F-150, then Dustin is my conduit. He's my he's my drug lord. He's he's supplying, you know, uh-huh. he's shooting the, you know, the uh, the arm with the drugs. What if he tells Legos. you no? What if his clientele is high end and he says, get out of here, you homeless person? I, I mean... <laughs> Well, hopefully he doesn't tell me to kick rocks. I mean, he might tell you kick rocks. It's possible. I hope he doesn't. He's on the phone. He can hear us talk. Well, I'm just I'm walking through it because now that now that he's listening, I just want to see what you know, his thought process is. I wonder if him being on the Truck Show podcast, clearly three years, right? Three plus years. Uh huh. We haven't registered on 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 his meter. I don't think this is. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think this is going to be enough to get you a blower. That's all I'm saying. I mean, why are you trying to talk him out of it? I'm not talking him out of it. No, I'm I'm literally just, I'm trying to set your, listen, I'm trying to level set your expectations. That's all. I don't want to see you get hurt again. (laughs) You've been hurt too many times lately when it comes to trucks. I have been hurt. Yeah. Yeah. We won't talk about that one. I'm not sure Dustin's fully aware of it. All right. I want to find out, Dustin, can we rewind the clock? And by the way, thanks for staying late, by the way. He's he's still at work. Well, yeah, thanks. We're still at work, too. I know. That's, that's true. <laughs> Kate, I don't know the the origin story, how your father started Whipple, correct? Yeah, it's correct. Yep. What yeah, is, he's, and he's still here every day. And what is, wh- how, why? What was, was he into racing? Was he serving a need? Was he a racer himself? I don't know that part. Yeah, so he was actually 
uh, a racer. He started on his own, learned everything, you know, the old hard way, trial and error. And uh, he drag raced uh, both mainly uh, his top fuel funny car. Uh, it was him and Ed McCullough. They raced uh, throughout the U.S. between the 60s and very early 70s. And they won winter nationals, U.S. nationals, and a lot of match races you know, at the time. And uh, one of the famous cars that they had, one of the first to ever have a corporate sponsor in drag racing was Revell, who made the uh, models. And so they had uh, a funny car named Revolution. And uh, so that was a really, really fast funny car back in the day. And uh, he'd always kind of laughed when, you know, later on when he retired. Oh, and the funny part of that was when he met my, which was my mom or became my mom later, obviously, right, is my grandfather owned uh, Top Fuel Hydro Boats and funny cars and dragsters and everything called Mr. Ed. So they got together and my dad ran that car while working for my grandfather, running a trucking company and rebar company. And so he kind of, you know, had a family. So he had to obviously stop traveling the world as much as uh, he used to do. So he got bored and he had always referred to the fact that they all argued about who had better blowers back in the day and they didn't even have boost gauges. They didn't even know. They had no idea. <laughs> they, they, they put blowers on big cubic inch, you know, stroker motors and they would run the same as the small cubic inch motors because they just, they had no idea, <laughs> right? The blower was the pump and, you know, in the end, the blower basically is your restrictor, right? So if you spin it faster, you can get more air. You generally can make more power. And so if they didn't change the pulley when they've been on a bigger motor, it generally would make the same power, make a little more torque maybe because of the cubic inch, but it won't make any more horsepower. And so it just was kind of, he had always laughed about that. And uh, so in the end, he wanted to come back to racing, but as a parts builder. And so in the late 80s, so I'd say like in the 85, 86, he started researching different technologies for superchargers and he had come upon a screw compressor in Australia and he actually found it in popular mechanics. Believe that. Yeah, I used to uh, read all my grandpa used to save me all of his popular mechanics. So when I yeah. go over to his house, I'd take home a pile of those, man. I used to love that magazine. People, I love that magazine. Yeah. I don't think yeah. people, Dustin, I don't think the many people, youngsters, understand how influential that magazine was. If yep. you, if, if you, that and popular science were the two that That's were right. sort of back two. and forth. Yeah. Holy crap. Exactly. If you got your product in yeah. popular mechanics or popular science, you, you it made exploded. It. Well, and, right. and I learned a lot. I mean, I, I, you think, you know, we like to joke that, you know, we know a little bit about a lot of things, but it's because we grew up with magazines like that that sort of, like, introduced you to so many. I mean, they had automotive, they had technology, they had space, they had aerospace, aviation, they had vehicle. I mean, there's just down the list of all sorts of just random anything that was interesting, widget, gadget, making life better. You learned so much by just pouring through those uh, those pages. It was awesome when I was a kid, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, I learned so much because I was crazy. I'd always, you know, go to the store and grab whatever ones. I mean, I was just was crazy about that. Popper uh, Mechanics, I was just one of my favorites because it took me in a place that I didn't know. You know, like, like you know, trucking and all those other ones. I was more trying to see what trends were, what, you know, what was new and what was going on. But Popper Mechanics kind of like widened your – you know, ideas, right? And you saw things that uh, you could maybe apply to different uh, parts of your business or parts of your industry. So I really liked that as growing up as a kid. That was a really influential. And it was funny because my dad didn't tell me that until a little bit later, but that's where, you know, I found it. And he called the company in Australia and said, I want you to build that supercharger for me bigger, right? Because at the time it was a one liter supercharger. And uh, you guys don't but, even, you know, one liter supercharger, you probably like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Where are we going to put that on? We need eight of those. I mean, like a, like a, a, a lawnmower? 
It, it'll be a, eight of them. It'll be a 16 rotor, eight liter supercharger made up of all sorts of little one liters. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, and so we, we got the blower and we were, we were Chevy people generally here in Fresno for whatever reason, the Chevy small blocks and big blocks were quite plentiful around here. And, uh, so we, uh, we, we bought a dyno and, uh, we started just one in the test. And of course I'm a little kid at this point. So I'm, you know, just going around helping doing things, picking up parts, cleaning things. I didn't do much at the time. And, uh, we started with a small block and with this, this one liter supercharger started testing against at the time, like BNM and we in blowers at the time, you know, comparing those. And even though this blower was so small, I mean, just in comparison to these other ones, it destroyed the other ones. And at the time, we had to turn the blower really fast because it was one liter. We were in the 18,000, 20,000 RPM range, Whoa. which is still past its normal efficiency level. But it was that much better than the roots at the time. And that's what we were trying to do is prove it, say, like, okay, if we can make one liter work, then we, let's go ahead and make, you know, a bigger uh, blower. And uh, But at the time, the company we were working with was small, and they needed um, POs and orders. And so we said, okay, we'll, we'll take, you know, at the time, I think it was 1,000 superchargers. So we said, well, we'll take 1,000 superchargers. Damn. Wait, wait, hold That's on. That's a big investment. Right? Yeah, we said, Did you take know. a percentage of the company at that with that PO? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should probably should have, right? But then went to the bank and we're able to, you know, start making them. And that's where the kit started because then we're like, well, we're going to have all these superchargers. What are we going to do with them? I'm like, well, we have this, at the time, we had an 87 Chevy truck with a 350 that had 210 horsepower. Yeah, and so we put the supercharger on. We whittled some adapters out of billet by hand, you know, threw the throttle body on the back and did n nothing to the, t you know, computer. And the computer, of course, was, you know, very dumb in comparison to the ones today. So it just went, you know, and it ran okay. And, uh, and then we decided to use a fuel pressure regulator, and that's what we just started learning at that point. Of how to do this and then we found someone that said hey i can you know i can do the computers to those things I'm like really uh when can you start you know like and <clears throat> and that's how the company kind of evolved by the time we had a trucking company that was paying for all these hobbies because the supercharger company at the time was not making any money and uh so it wasn't until roughly 94 95 when we had you know kind of made a uh, a decent market for us but at the time that we to manufacture anything, just the, all the CNCs and stuff weren't there. So we had to outsource a lot of stuff. And uh, so it wasn't until like 94, 95 when we really got in and we really said, okay, we're going to make this into a business that actually has the potential now to, you know, stand on its own and not be fed by this other company. So we shut the trucking company down and went full fledged to the supercharger company. And from then on, it went, uh, you know, up and up other than, you know, a couple of dips every once in a while. But you know, from then on, it was a <clears throat> tough deal. And I graduated high school in 94. And then I went to college in Fresno here, Fresno State. And I went to school every day, came back to work in school back, you know, back and forth. And I was doing sales. I did wiring harnesses. I put the superstars get together. I shipped them. I, did, I had every job humanly possible here. So I basically have done every job here to get, you know, up to this point. So my dad's 82. He's still here every day. Um, he helps with the uh, on the production side, where I run all the all the new products, all the new kits, uh, work with all the calibrators and uh, all the engineers stuff. So, so he's still here every day, and it's you know pretty awesome to, be able to still work with him. Did you go to school for engineering, or did you just learn through osmosis? Yeah, I learned through osmosis. I actually went through marketing, um, thinking I was. <laughs> 
also another funny story is that I went for marketing and, you know, we do all these school projects and they're telling you, you know, how you can, you know, use this budget and do all these different things to, you know, sell all these parts. Right. And I, you know, graduate now I'm full-time, real full-time, even though I was still working at 50, 60 hours. Right now I'm true full-time. Right. I come here and I say, okay, dad, what's my budget? He's like, what do you mean budget? I'm like, I need a marketing budget. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take this thing to the next level. Right. He's like, you don't have a marketing budget. <laughs> there is no womp, budget. And so there was, yeah, yeah, there was no budget. So then I had to be creative mm. how to, you know, how to uh, sell superchargers. Yep. And uh, so I started cold calling. I started calling, you know, a lot of, you know, dealers and you know, pitching on the ideas and stuff and got on, you know, Luckily, forums started, and, you know, things just really you know, started going there. But I basically did it with no marketing budget, you know, all those years. And, uh, you know, one supercharger sold the next one. So then we prided upon ourselves of making everything right for the customer. Oh, dude, and, lighting, that sucks. He has no marketing budget. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was the old days. Now, now, we, now, now we got a little, little. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know it's getting towards the end of the year, so if he doesn't jump in pretty soon, I mean, yeah, that budget might be gone. Oh, right? good point. I will jump in quick. I will jump in quick. He's gonna go. Hey, I don't have a truck yet, but could you just store that pallet in my garage? I can listen. I can. I can submit the order. I can submit the request. You know, can I? Can I tell you what's gonna happen to uh, to Lightning? You're gonna go. Hey, uh, hey, Dustin, I'm, I'm gonna order it tomorrow. So. Uh, can I get can I get the blower? And then he's gonna say, Yeah, of course, no problem. And then you're gonna get it and you're gonna put it in your garage. And then you're gonna vacillate on the truck for a little while. No, then you're I gonna, w- no, no. Then no, you're no, gonna no. walk outside, you're gonna see the blower. Oh, I gotta order it. And then you won't be able to find a twenty one the way you want to so buy a twenty two and find out it's the wrong kit. <laughs> <laughs> so I do know that I I have spoken to Dustin. I think the twenty two is the same, correct? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same. Oh, guy. you're lucky. Ooh, you're lucky. Look, yeah, you're sweating. <laughs> I've known you long enough. I but know. Listen, hold on just a second. I'm not a. I'm a professional, uh-huh. and I don't take parts that I can't use uh-huh. ever, or yes. I can't get pressed for. So that is, you know, that's not my mo. <laughs> Dude, oh, uh, f you! <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you definitely, you definitely need uh, a twenty-one. Yeah. So that he means as opposed to a twenty, right? Yes. Because yeah, yeah, by the, 20, the t- I mean, I may 20, not have a choice, yeah. right? Am I, they may give me a twenty-two if I place the order. You know, in the, in the next, you know, thirty days, I, I don't, yeah, I may not possible. have a choice, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's very, very possible. All right. Well, if you want to uh, throw a Whipple supercharger on your F one fifty and uh, basically make it so uh, Dustin has no more stock for Lightning, <laughs> uh, you're going to want to head over to Whipple Superchargers <laughs> or uh, on Instagram at Whipple Superchargers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can uh, you can foil lightning by buying lots of uh, F one fifty superchargers from Dustin right now. And listen, I would appreciate you uh, the, the, if you don't. You know what I mean? The, I'll send uh, you a truck show podcast just to keep you out of that market. Yeah, the, right? yeah, the, uh, the code on the Whipple website will be screw lightning. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and Dustin will give you ten percent off. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> well, listen. Also, if you've got an eighteen to twenty one Ford Expedition, you got an F one fifty, you got an EcoBoost. I mean, they've got solutions for more than. There's all sorts of. Great oh my stuff. gosh! And we didn't even scratch. The surface when it comes to marine because when when I started going to Lake Havasu in Arizona during my my college years that I if you were the badass if you had a big Whipple supercharger yeah, blower were. sitting on top of that engine and still to this day that's the case when you go out to a lot of the the West Coast rivers out here I I mean how did how did that happen Yeah, there was uh, I you know when I was 18, 16, 18, I liked cars but. I really fell in love with boats and 
I, when I was going to school and going back and forth to work at the time, uh, my dad was really hesitant about doing the boat because we really had no support staff of any type for that. So I'm like, you know what? I'll handle it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll assemble them. I'll write the instructions. I'll do I'll do every part of that. And I, and I did. And I just fell in love with boats. And so I really put a lot of effort into the boats and actually more than the cars until uh, a few years ago. Then that's when the cars really, I really started putting a lot more effort to that. But the, the boats were a, a real passion for me. I, I just loved them. Obviously, it's so fun to go out on the weekends and go to Havasu, go to the, the Ozarks and everything. It, it was a really fun. So um, got to meet a lot of interesting people. So. Yeah, so that was just uh, I decided we wanted to build the superchargers, and uh, you know I learned that's when I learned to actually do calibrations. Uh, we had an ex Ford employee that came to work for us, and he taught me basically how to tune computers at the time. And uh, you know it's trial by fire, but I loved it so much that I worked just nonstop, you know, 80, 90 hours every week because I just I just loved it. You know, so that was one of the say like you know do what you love, right? And the boats were definitely one of those things. So. That was a, a really good market, and uh, we still do well right now. We just actually launched the Gen 5 applications because we hadn't updated the product line in a, quite some time, but now we've uh, updated with new manifolds, intercoolers, and the 3.8 blower for the uh, for all the big blocks. So that's a, a nice upgrade for the entire market. Uh, we're looking at each other. Well, I just I, I, I have so many more questions. I know you do. But at, at a certain point, we have to cut him loose. We, he has to go to bed. So here, here's what, for those of you that, some of you may not know that we record this at night. In the middle of the night. Yeah, it's, it's late. Often. And Dustin has been very kind to, uh, to stay up late. Yes. So Dustin, we're going to pause because I think what Holman and I are going to have to do is cruise up to Fresno and see the facility, take a little tour, and then finish the interview up there, if that would be okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We'd love to have you here. Okay. And will you have a box ready for lightning to take home? I just need to know the size uh, of vehicle. I'm not asking. That's Holman. <laughs> it's when he gets his PO. When he gets his PO in, we'll see. Okay. All right. All, all right, right. All right. I got to get the truck ordered. Well, right. th- thanks I for. Can, uh, yeah, we can get a box maybe with like a pulley or something like that, so we can build. The <laughs> oh, over time. don't right. he's gonna have a teaser oh. each week. Yeah. No, it'll be like those those. Uh, Wait, it's a Dollar Shave Club. No. He's gonna send me a piece every week. <laughs> That's funny. No, but I was thinking it was more like the Porch Pirates when you fill like your Amazon box full of dog poop. Yeah. So that oh, w- yes. with like a firecracker in it. So when they run away with your porch, uh, your porch box that uh, explodes poop uh, all over them. Very funny. Exactly. Oh, he's exactly. gonna give you a load of bricks. <laughs> He'd be like, feel the weightiness of this Whipple. I'm so happy. Oh, it's gonna be I'm feeling good about this interview after all. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, thanks for uh, hanging out with us for a little bit. We, I know, uh, we, I know, as, as as jokey as we are, we really have wanted you to come on for a long time. So glad we were able to make it happen, and uh, would love to have you come back. And if lightning, I can get up to uh, to the shop. I think that'd be pretty fun too. Yeah, it'd be awesome. We'd love to show you around, so that, you know people don't actually even understand that we actually cut the rotors here, the shafts, and. Uh, and a bunch of other parts. You know, we got uh, 16 CNC machines here, 60 plus yeah. employees. So it's, we'll bring uh, up the recorder. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe talk to some of your long-term employees there. The people have been there with mm-hmm. you since the beginning and kind of get the, the lowdown. But we, we'd love to make a trip up there and uh, we'd love to come come hang out. Maybe uh, you can give us a joy ride in the parking lot or let's do donuts or something cool. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. It is Fresno. I hear that's what you guys do up there. That's right. Yeah, we got a big parking lot, so we can do plenty of donuts. I don't know what else is going on up in there, Fresno. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm working all the time, so I don't get to see it anyways. Uh, Dustin, awesome. Congrats on the success and the new kits, and we will definitely be checking in with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All, all right, right, brother. Thanks. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Mr. Holman, uh, how are you feeling about doing some truck news? Well, we got a lot of it. So you better brace yourself. I'm holding on. I might even throw in a car for you. Oh, I just realized that I can't hold on and push the button at the same time. I'll just, I'll play this. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Yeah! It still worked. It was interesting. It still worked. Huh. So I had the on, you had the yeah. Yeah, but we ended at the exact same time. Hmm. And did you feel the sound waves uh, being absorbed by our acoustic tiles on the wall? No, that was our uh, fat bellies. It was uh, uh, absorbing Ugh. the sound right mm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Hey, uh, lighting, did you hear? Oh, no. No, I did not. Well, then I should probably tell you. Uh, the return of the Lamborghini Countach. Yeah, the whole world saw that, man. I that, don't. Uh, there was some. There were some l- people that were a little let down. I think. Eh, I don't care who you are. If you are our age or approximately thereabouts, you had that sucker on your wall as a kid, and seeing them uh, pay homage to them. I guess this is an Aventador uh, based, right? Yes. So for them to, I think this is the last model of the Aventador. So to, for them to kind of pay homage to the Countach, I thought was pretty cool. I agree, but I think that the Countach... Oh. Ooh, is, the, is this uh, reviewer left cold? Is uh, that a, a little bit, because... Okay. And I think I'm not the All right, only before person. you poop on it, can we just can we just say that... Please do, yes. Okay. The 2022 Lamborghini Countach LPI 800-4 mm-hmm. is, uh, according to Motor Trend, amounts to a retro-cynical money grab, <laughs> which is See probably true. Right. Um, anyway, it's a 803-horsepower V12 base hybrid powertrain, Lamborghini's first, but there's going to be an entire production run of 112 vehicles, and they're already sold out. Yeah, I mean, that can't surprise you. Everything that Lamborghini makes is sold out in advance. I, I don't know that to be true. I'm just saying it It feels that way. I just think this is Lamborghini's most iconic model. I read a, a great interview where they talked to the designer, and he got the, uh, the thumbs up from the other uh, the original, I guess, Countach designer. They wanted to go with the trapezoidal wheel openings. They wanted that that Countach feel. Um, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of of replicating it, but not making it feel retro. Uh, I just, I think it's it was unexpected, at least for me, and I think it just works. The only thing I would say is I wish the wheels would have been a stylized version of the five hole wheels. That's to me is the quintessential Countach wheel. Right. And it looks like a more modern Lamborghini wheel. I wish they would have done something, even if it was like um, some sort of like uh, hex shape instead of round to, to match that aesthetic. But I just, the way those wheels were dished, and if you saw any of the footage from Pebble Beach, uh, it was pretty amazing. They had, must have had 25 or more Countaches roll in, and they're it all It seemed awesome. like there were probably more than 50, and it was. It's, some were saying that it was a, the largest assembly of Countaches anywhere. I don't, again, don't know that to be true, but it looked like it. And, but, man, it, but it didn't look as iconic as the original Countach. I think if you're going to throw that name out there, it, it really is the car. Well, it's listen, based on a car that's existing already, so that. That's hard to be, make it iconic, know, right? The, the proportions aren't... It's modern. It's a lot bigger. If you see the photos of them next to each other, a Countach is low and a Countach is wide. And Aventador is really low and really wide, right? right? Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate they took the black plastic uh, or carbon fiber at the base of the windshield to replicate the bottom of the Countach. Um, 
windshield, they did a good job with the lighting and the nose to evoke memories of the original Countach. I do like the trapezoidal uh, wheel arches. And if you look in the way the, the rooftop vent and the engine, it, it's it's enough for you to sort of like the um, the nostalgia bug bites you a little bit. Uh, but I agree, I, you know, it's 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 not a Countach, but it's a Countach. So I wonder how many of our listeners saw that news and, and care? said, no, I think a lot do. I, I, honestly, we've said this before. Look, it is the Truck Show podcast. But it's, if you're a car guy, you're a car if guy. If you're a car guy, you're a car guy. We've yep. said that a lot. Yep. You yep. know, you love all things with engines and motors. When it comes to the Countach, I think what started it all, it, the Countach were on, was on post and all that, but really it was the Cannonball Run, the movie, right? The comedy. When Cannonball Run, the movie, the original film came out, it was just that's what everyone saw. It had Burt Reynolds in, a, in an all-star cast. It was pure cast. sex on wheels. It was. It was sex on wheels, and it was funny, and Dr. Jellyfinger, whatever they called him, right? <laughs> like the proctologist that rode around in the back of the ambulance. Just all these storylines were so funny, but it, that, that Lamborghini stole the show. And here's the thing, is that I think a lot of people like me said, oh my God, I, I'm feeling nostalgic. I want to go watch Cannibal Run. And then you realize it's not streaming Anywhere. You can see Cannonball Run 2. Mm-hmm. Cannonball Run is tied up in some crazy legal okay, mumbo jumbo. Why do you do this? We're talking about the Countach returning, this and you've th- turned it into a rant of how you can't find Cannonball because, Run on streaming service. Because we're talking about the Countach. Well, I get that. But I then- <laughs> wanted to show. I wanted to show my my both my kids uh-huh. what like made we all went. Okay. Who why the Countach? And why I we couldn't had- show it. Okay. And I looked, I'm like, what the F with, with Cannibal Run? Which, like, yeah. I, I'm sure it's going to be a crappy movie in hindsight. Right, of right? course. But I wanted to show them, and I couldn't. I'm like, of all the movies that is like you can't find, mm-hmm. it's not streaming. Are you Bogus. Okay. Bogus! All right. Countach is back. Okay, Lightning, did you hear? What? No. No, I did not. Uh, so uh, Toyota dropping uh, photobombs of the new uh, Tundra still. Mm-hmm. Slow rolling it out. And we can confirm that the TRD Pro has a uh, rear end with coil springs. <gasps> Thanks for watching, and remember, everything matters. I don't know how that fits. Sorry. Okay. Funny. It appears to be a five-link suspension that utilizes four semi-parallel trailing arms and a pan hard. Unlike the Ram and Ford versions of their coil suspensions that are uh, similar, uh, the 2022 Tundra's upper link bars are mounted further inboard on top of the rear axle, which is more similar to like a uh, triangulated Ford link used by off-road race trucks. So having the uh, upper link bars mounted in this way should serve uh, to give the Tundra some pretty awesome rear articulation. Also has a Fox uh, 2.5 internal bypass shocks hanging in no the back. No joke. Then also a uh, the front is a uh, TRD Performance sway bar. So a lot of uh, half-ton pickup trucks don't have a front sway bar. They only have a rear. Uh, and you're getting that from the factory. Also with uh, Performance Fox dampers, uh, coilovers in the front. So Who are they going after? Like this is... This I'm, is the real deal, Holyfield. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's going to be quite uh, TRX Raptor territory, but it's certainly above Z71 and FX4. So are they shooting the gap? Are they saying, listen, is the TRX too much for you, but uh, a TRD not enough? I don't know. I think there's some middle ground that they can have. I've, I've always been underwhelmed by the Tundra's TRD package. I've always thought it was... Um, it never got as many of the goodies that a Tacoma had on it. Mm. Uh, this also appears to have wiring going to the rear axle, so I'm going to say it's going to have an electronic rear locker as well. So I, I 
I'm hoping this is their Halo vehicle for TRD Pro. I'm hoping that Tundra finally gets all the things that you know the uh, the brothers have had, and it sort of didn't get. So anyway, tell we'll, we'll me see. what you think the price will be because this uh, is going to be it'll, spendy. It'll be fifty five thousand probably. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're all gonna. They're all the trucks are the same price. They're all within a few thousand bucks of each other. Uh, all right, Lightning. Moving on. Did you hear? No, I did not. Are you sure? I don't know what the story is, so I, I don't know for sure. What's the story? You tell me the story. All right. The story is that there is a rumor. Yeah. All right. Floating around the interwebs. Yeah. That Toyota uh-huh. is going to release a diesel pickup in the United States. Now, how do we know this? They filed- We don't. We don't know this. Right. We think we know this because they have done two things well, that would they, lead us to believe. They dropped a curious uh, diesel, how diesel works in this different video. By the way, pretty interesting, and they've they've simplified how a diesel works to like any kid could understand it. Well, and there's rumors that they're doing it without DEF or a DPF. Bingo. And that's the big, because th- those are the things that make diesel expensive. So- what you doing over there, Toyota? And what we do know is that they dropped a patent about an internal combustion engine. I'm going to read this to you. It's the uh, in the in the what's called the abstract. It's kind of the synopsis of this. Let's see if we can figure it out. Right, a compressed self ignition type internal combustion engine includes a fuel injection nozzle provided such that a plurality of injection holes are exposed from a cylinder head of the internal combustion engine to a combustion chamber and a plurality of hollow ducts configured such that an inlet and an outlet are exposed to the combustion chamber. Are you chamber. sure you're not, you're not reading the old turbo encabulator uh, script? <laughs> no. I'm By the way, if you have not heard of the turbo encabulator, it's got a it. classic so, automotive. Yeah, just Google turbo encabulator and thank us later. Now, and it goes on to say, the plurality of ducts are configured such that each fuel spray injected from the plurality of injection holes of the fuel injection nozzle passes from the You don't even know outlet. what this means. So what they're saying, uh, here's the deal. It's uh-huh. not just a single injector right. nozzle, right? Right. There's a plurality. It's That's many. what I'm picking up. Right. The internal combustion engine includes a heating device for heating at least one of the plurality of ducts. These are the biggest words you've ever used in your entire life. Uh, it's a plurality of words that I've used <laughs> all at the same time. They're huge. Uh, I'm and glad they, I gave you this story to, to tell because this, this is quite entertaining. filed in, uh, looks like, for publication in July of 2020 by Toyota. 2020 or 2021? No, 2020. It mm, first was published. So people and, are, uh, uh, they missed it back then. and They, they did. They dropped the video and now people want to know more. That's so exactly I'm right. also hearing that if something like that were to happen, could it be a diesel hybrid? We have to go back and, 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 and talk about, you brought up DEF and, and, and yeah. SCR, yep. you know, DEF and DPF filters yeah. and all that mm-hmm. stuff. A lot of people think that the government said, hey, you need to put DEF no, the government said you need this out of your tailpipe. And that That's was exactly right. That's it. all they did. So there's other technologies out there. Some of them are not cost effective enough and some of them haven't seen the light of day yet. So If you can burn all of the fuel, as yeah. Gail Banks said yeah. and, and, and Peter tried, if you can yeah. burn all of the fuel... In cylinder, you wouldn't need any after treatment. Exactly. And if Toyota does it, whoo, payday. Yeah. Freaking payday. Well, it revives the entire diesel industry if uh, they're able to do this, I think, right? I think diesel outside of heavy duty trucks is probably on the decline because uh, electrification is, is a lot 
less expensive to uh, to put to market. Speak for yourself. And uh, if you have some of those synthetic diesel fuels, now you have something super clean. Mm-hmm. Do we just extend our love of the diesel combustion engine? It's possible. I think so. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Lightning, have you heard? No! Nope. Ford Bronco hardtop problems worsen. Oh, no. Uh, there are going to be roof replacements, and production of hardtop Broncos has stopped. Mm. So uh, some of the ongoing hardtop issues are going to push uh, customer orders back to beyond 2022. And it's bad enough that Ford will not allow you to order a new Bronco hardtop, uh, and they won't build it until all the ones that are out there are fixed. They are recalling every single Bronco hardtop that's out there to date. Now, are they saying we are deeply <laughs> to their customers? They are. Uh, according to Automotive News, Ford is telling customers it will need to replace all the hardtops that have been delivered so far after delaying all other hardtop variations. So uh, those roofs that are painted and included in the dual roof package were already delayed until 2022. Soft tops are unaffected. This is for the molded in color of the MIC roof. Automotive News shared uh, that Ford sent a letter to customers, including this cringeworthy passage stating that the automakers, quote-unquote, needs to replace all existing molded-in-color hardtop roofs before we can make any new hardtop Broncos. So uh, if you uh, are waiting for your Bronco and you want a hardtop, I-, I hear Ford will swap you out for a soft top or keep your uh, 2021 pricing intact, I think, all the way to 2023. So if that tells you what the delay might be, it's going to be uh, some teething problems. And after this... Uh, uh, news segment, uh, you'll hear a little piece that uh, our friend Johnny Lieberman and I did about Wrangler versus Bronco, where we talk about some of the uh, the, in- the quality. And I'll tell you, um, I-, I love the Bronco, but there there are some quality issues in the vehicles that we've been in. I went to Cars and Coffee this last Saturday. Yeah, sorry, two Saturdays ago. Yep. And there was a Bronco in the mm-hmm. parking lot, bone stock Bronco. Yep. And people were huddled around it. So there was a line. The guys from Daily Driven Exotic showed up. Okay. They're out of Canada. And they said, hey, we're going to be down there. And when they show up, it's mania because they have so many fans. And there's a row, talking about Lamborghinis earlier. Yep. There was no fewer than 20 Lamborghinis. Yep. Okay. Only one Bronco. Only one Bronco. And that's what people were looking at. Well, I hope they didn't touch it. Uh, some of the seams are super sharp on the top, especially around the D-pillar where you could you know, maybe slice your finger on some of the ones that I've seen. Uh, and also uh, some of the interior mismatch of uh, materials and, and things like that uh, where you can see the seams and the, it doesn't feel that solid. Uh, I've got one coming to me here in the next couple of weeks that I'll be doing a uh, review on. How, um, honestly, how did that happen? Like, How did it get past Ford? How did they not I, have I, that all buttoned up? I think making uh, making hard tops is hard, harder than you think. Hmm. Um, anyway, there's a lot of information on the forums and stuff about it. So if you're you're curious to know more, head over to uh, MotorTrend.com or wow. check out the forums. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope, I did not. You uh, haven't heard of the chip shortage? Oh well, I don't have it. Yes, I now. I, yeah, I mean, yes, I have heard of that. So uh, sounds like uh, the 2022 Chevy Silverado will get. Uh, Reduced climate control temperature display availability. Now, is that like dual climate zone or something like that? Well, I think you can still get dual climate control. The problem is you won't have the uh, digital temperature display that are located inside the knobs. Oh, yeah, the little green numbers. Yeah, at least on limited LT, RST, and LT Trail Boss models. Uh, Sounds like if you want to order up uh, and step up into a limited LTZ in high country, they'll still give you those knobs. But on the lower trim levels, they're not going to be available anymore. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately about how the... uh, uh, chip shortage is affecting V8s, mm-hmm. uh, especially on some of the European brands. Yet, 
staying in line with Chevy news, uh, Chevy announced the 2022 Chevy Tahoe and Suburban will have expanded 6.2 liter uh, V8 availability. The 2021 model year ushered in uh, the next generation overhauls, but the uh, most of them were 5.3 liters. And so uh, for 2022, it looks like the uh, naturally aspirated 6.2 liter V8, the L87, which was previously reserved for high country trim levels, uh, will now be available on RST Z71 in Premier as well. So mm-hmm. uh, good for uh, good for you. That's yep. by the way, I've driven them. You want the 6.2 in that truck? Oh, really? You want the 6.2? Huh. Just that's the engine you want. And if you've ordered a uh, a Mercedes C63, GLC63, E63, GLE580, GLS580, GLS63, GLS600, Maybach, none of those G550, trucks, G63, you won't get any of them because they're all V8 powered. And Mercedes said, "Ah, uh-uh, no V8s in 2022." Uh, that sounds horrible. I don't. I don't know if I believe that. It was an intercepted memo, and it was supposed to be from Mercedes to the dealers. You need to check out with your dealer friend and see what he says. And it was on Reddit, and they're doing okay. their best to confirm, but it it does look like... How could you not have any AMG V8 products? They're going twin-turbo sixes and How, fours. That's just crazy, right? Are you going to rename the, uh, the, the, the numbers? I, that's a great question, but they, in the memo, it does say that they are repowering those vehicles that are already being prepped for V8s. I wouldn't want one. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, 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 no! No, no, I did not. The upcoming Chevy Silverado EV truck, this is where I look at this and I go, this is what Lightning needs to be spending his money on, not the stupid Cybertruck. We'll have four-wheel steering and 24-inch wheels. I heard that, and I heard it loud and clear. It spoke right to me. Did it? Right in your (laughs) ear holes? I uh, I can turn on a dime with my blinged out rims. So what's interesting is uh, people hate when you say rims when you say, should say wheels. Wreck it rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022 GMC Hummer EV truck also has four wheel steering. So I don't know if the Silverado will be on the same skateboard platform. By the way, uh, just I can't tell what? you. I I have to wait a couple episodes. I have thoughts and I have things that need to be said and I just can't wait do it right now. Wait a minute. Does this hey, tie lighting. into what you, wait, does this lighting, tie into you what hear? you oh stop lighting, did you hear? Did, uh, lighting. No. No, I did not hear. Shelby at uh, Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. Wait, the, wait, the Shelby that put the Whipple supercharger in their F one fifty to get seven hundred seventy five horsepower? That yep. Shelby? They okay. uh, brought a modern SVT Lightning regular cab short bed. Tell me more. Shelby's... <laughs> oh, you ended it before a crash. No, no, no. I Normally that one has a crash. I, I do this one. Oh. Oh, oh, there's lightning on a test drive with 775 horsepower. <laughs> there's Holman on a bike. All right, so the 775... No comment about a bike? I like bikes. Why, because you are you the one that ran me off the road? I just think it's funny that I'm in a, a 775 horsepower truck. you just crashed into a wall. And you're, so what? You're on a bike. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the 775 horsepower Shelby F-150 Super Snake mm-hmm. is a modern SVT lighting. $113,000 performance sport truck is all muscle with a bed, according to uh, our friend Monica Gonderman over at Motor Trend. Uh, so Shelby revealed its latest Ford F-150 muscle truck during the 2021 Monterey Car Week. It's called the 2021 Shelby F-150 Super Snake, and like we said, 775 horsepower. It is a regular cab, and it is badass. Will you get to drive one? Oh, I'm trying to get them on the show right now. Oh. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, so um, can you get Carol Shelby? <laughs> I cannot. I can get a picture of Carol Shelby <laughs> okay. of him and myself. I see. But I cannot get the actual man. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a special place in hell for you, my friend. Uh, this is where it gets interesting, though. You were bitching that you had to step up and trim, and they don't put the trim on that one. You can't get the big screen. Yeah, I want the uh, 12-inch uh, screen. Huh. And the, uh, dash. Because the Shelby has it. Shelby has a regular cab, short bed, 775 horsepower, 5-liter V8 with the 12-inch screen. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell yeah. no. Yeah. No. Also yes. No. 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 Why don't you just buy this truck? Way. A, it's way out of my price range. Yeah, but it's everything you want. It's already done. It's a single cab, short bed with the freaking monster screen. But that's not it. There's a completely new suspension setup for 21. It's a ride tech system, has front adjustable coilover shocks, rear adjustable shocks, upper control arms, rear traction bars, and a new rear sway bar. The result is a nicely planted street performance truck. Rides on 22-inch Shelby chrome alloy wheels wrapped in... This is what the... These are your people. Well, this, not the chrome. I don't think so chrome. So hold on. Yeah, all right. Just shut your hole for a second. Damn. 30540R22 Toyo Proxus tires. Oh! It's like every company that you've ever tried to just hump barfed, their legs. Just they, barfed on that they, truck. Exactly. <laughs> Shelby said, how do we build a truck for lightning? This is it. Ugh. We're going to build a lightning for lightning. This is how you want to build it. You don't have to pay for parts or labor or any of that. It's just all included and has a warranty. You're dumb if you don't buy this truck. How much is it again? 113. But if I'm spending 113, it's literally you would take a $55,000 truck and make it a $200,000 truck if you could. This one's done and has shelf pedigree. But if pedigree. I'm spending that much money, I'm getting a TRX. Why? You don't go off-road, you don't care. By the way, I got my TRX. And you don't you won't use it. This you'll use with the one passenger that wants to spend yeah. time with you that close and uh Oh yeah. man, you just sound like a dick right now. Ground effects? Complete the look. Yeah. The interior sports carbon fiber trim, leather seats, billet racing pedals. It's probably got a hood, doesn't it? And deeply tinted windows. Carbon fiber hood with a And big of course old plentiful inlet. reminders of its Shelby Super Snake status. Embroidered headrest, number dash plaque, engine plate, center console lid badge. From the inside, hold on a second. Are you holding yourself? Brace yourself for this. Mm-hmm. You will be reassured by the sound of the truck's Whipple supercharger and Borla performance exhaust. Shh. This no. is no God, please no. Everything no. you want. Oh, what the hell? They just shook down all of our guests for parts. The Shelby F one fifty Super Snake Sport two door. Is built on a 21 Ford F-150 XLT 4x4. It's like they hired someone like me to just outfit it. Listen, it starts at 90000 Yeah. But it's 98690 if you want the uh, 775 horsepower. You don't care about the four-door Super Snake. You don't have to go to 105000 You can get in there for like under $100,000. This is literally, it's literally the truck that has, I have never in my- Let me say it, turn it it this way. I have never in my life seen a vehicle that was built for a human like this one has been built for you. Oh. Oh, s***. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's for me. It should be four inches lower for my taste, but that is- Yeah, but then you can't turn the front wheels. Look how little clearance there is from the top of the tires of the fender. Yeah, let me see again. That's way lower than you think it is. Yeah, it might be. 
Oh man, that is a good looking truck, it's and it's all it's all murdered out. It's literally the truck you've been telling everybody. Oh, I want to get this truck, and I want to build it. It's yeah. got everything done. But I like building them. Like that would be, I'd be bored. But with you it. wouldn't have a Shelby. It would be a lightning, lightning, and it would suck, and you would cut well, corners. Hold a second. Why does a lightning, lightning suck? Because you're gonna be like. Ooh, Gidget, Widget, Farkle, blah, blah, bolted on. Wait a minute. Like, this, ooh, Mr. New Bumper and New Wheels is and bronze. Tasteful. Because it's tasteful. There's a holistic approach. It's Since not like, when do I make stuff? Listen, that, when, my what, stuff, what do I have that's not my tasteful? My stuff is, doesn't look like a shook down SEMA. Okay? My Excuse stuff works me? together. What are you talking about? What Every vehicle? vehicle you've ever owned. Oh, how dare you? You're going to say that I'm wrong? How dare you? Wow. You really think that the, the, the dually looked like I shook down every sponsor at SEMA? <laughs> you going to deny that? Yes, I am. <laughs> the roof rack, the bumpers were hand-built. For SEMA. It do- no, that, what does that have to do with where I showed them? That's how you got them done. You couldn't. You never would have gone, hey, uh, can you build me this uh, hand-built uh, $30,000 stainless steel roof rack? Yeah. Was it going to SEMA? Oh wow! I don't what does that have, have that, that in my dialogue? What What is the you built it to be in people's faces? To what is promote that? your SEMA stuff? But I don't understand what it says about the product. You said the the products look like farkles. No, I disagree. I just said you're just you have no focus. Is my point? Your focus is the world, the automotive world that you want to put everything on and go. That's not. I true. have all of it. I'm going to put the Marble Man on the back. You know the like the uh, no Yosemite Sam. Uh, uh, mud flaps. Calvin and Hobbes and all that you stuff. You can have the Calvin Hobbes sticker pissing on a See, Chevy. I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, I just Well, don't. just because you don't go to West Hall doesn't mean that you didn't <laughs> shake down all the other halls at SEMA. Dude, I'm deeply offended. <laughs> you should not be offended. I am deeply offended. Have you met? Have... Listen, look at me. Look at me dead in the eye right I am, now. I am. Have you met you? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm a checking. little overweight, but I have don't Have you do met that. you? Yes. Okay. I'm, an, I, I'm annoying and I have really, a high that's, voice. That's the line? That's where you're offended? Out of everything, it's three years of the show. I'm, saying, that's I, the, I'm upset that you think that the, the, the my vehicles just look like I just threw up I parts on it. I didn't say they look like it. I said that's how you are. You can't control yourself. Says the guy that's bolting everything new on his Jeep. I'm A, updating it. Oh, and it's, come on. It's exactly. It's, that's just uh, your spin. Uh, it, that's no, just your spin. No, it's exactly the parts that they are selling as a complete vehicle. Uh-huh. They're updating it because it's going to be in their booth. Okay. Let's look at it. All right. F-150. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Single cab short bed. You're going to get into that. I would get into that car, the truck, mm-hmm. for let's say in the uh, middle to upper 30s. All right. Stock. Mm, let's, let's, let's call it 42. Okay. 42, if there was some magic way I could get with the screen and the audio system that I want, right? Okay. Then I'm going and I'm putting the supercharger on. There's another 10 with install, all that, okay? So now I'm at 50, okay? Wheels and tires, hookups, close to zip, all right? Suspension, close to zip. That's, I'm still at 50, 60 if I had to buy some stuff, okay? That's all I'm looking for. That's $50,000 more than I would spend to do it myself, and it's a more complete vehicle that handles and rides well and is fully engineered. I'm not saying that it isn't. Well, I'm just saying it's probably worth the money. I'm, the, again, I, listen, I'm not saying that's not worth the money. What I'm telling you is that when you look at that parts list, it's literally every single part that you would choose for yourself done, handled. I, I agree. <laughs> I it is true. If I had it's Borla, yeah. it's Toyos, yes. it's Whipple, right? It's everything. Like those are your people. They're totally my people. All right. I know people at all those companies by name. I know you and do. And I would, yeah, and I'm, I would go down that list. 
You don't have to go down that list because they did it for you. They've been listening to the show and they made but your truck. But I'm paying full freaking retail if I go that well, route. Well, let's have them on the show and see if you can get a discount. Now, oh, man. Now you're sh- Hold on a second. You're trying for episode after episode trying to talk me out of a lowered truck because everything else I have is lowered. Then I finally start to see the light, and I'm looking at actual Uh, four-wheel drive trucks over the last three weeks. I'm not joking. Doesn't count when you go looking for your kid's new car or something like that. Why don't you? You're going to see Ben Palmer this week. Why don't you, when you drop off the Mini, drive home an international travel all? He's got a really nice one on the website right now. I I understand that. I'm looking for something new. Okay. And I have called. Uh I've been on the phone Mm -hmm. with our friend Bo Bachman. Uh Okay, I've Mm -hmm. been on the phone with... By the way, Bo Bachman from Galpin Autosports and Galpin Ford in... uh, Yep. I've also called my friends who we work with at Collie up there Uh in uh, West Covina. Okay. So I have been on the phone with actual Ford people. Okay. This is not just me on on my phone at night. This is the thing. This is the thing. You're like, I want a supermodel. And we're all talking about it because you're like lightning. You'll never have a supermodel. She won't even look at you. You can't afford her. You just, it's never going to happen. So you find like a really solid eight and a half. And we're like, dude, eight and a half, brunette, but eight and a half. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, all right, you're probably right. I'm probably never going to have a supermodel, but that eight and a half solid. And then the supermodel comes in wearing a t-shirt with your face on it. Then you have to be like, that's her. That's a good analogy. She's the one. And I stick like, with and like, I stick with a brunette. Like that's <laughs> just despite everybody. Because like, no, you changed my mind already. I'm done. I just, I just know how you are. That's she's all got, I'm saying. Wait, hold on. She's got my face on her. Yes. Really? Huh. And you are about to tell her no. Now, does she stretch my face way out? <laughs> you, know, you have you know a big face. Yeah. You have a very big face. <laughs> you have a Good. five head. So it's, I uh, said. Huh. Listen. See. I'm just saying when 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 the stars align that one time in your life, you roll you roll with it. Huh. Uh huh. Well, get Shelby on the phone quick. <sighs> yeah, I don't know what to do with you. Hey, uh, Lightning, did you hear? How about new? Nope. Uh, Ford is asking the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to rescind General Motors trademark for its cruise and super cruise products. Ouch. After General Motors wanted to uh, or or did sue Ford uh, over uh, Ford's use of Blue Cruise, so then Ford says everybody uses Cruise in their name, so rescind that never should have been done. So it looks like they're going to battle to the death, as usual. Did they say, we are deeply sorry? Or did they just whoop, slap no, them No, I don't, I don't know. It's like two kangaroos like punching each other in the backcountry of uh, <laughs> Australia. Well, that's all I got for news. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that was, it. That was a lot. <laughs> feel spent. Can we? Uh, should we end the show? Uh, I, well, we still have to do uh, Johnny and I. Oh, yeah. We need to get to, to the uh, Battle Royale between you and Johnny that Lieberman. A battle Royale? I'm trying to hype this up. Okay. Okay. Bronco versus Wrangler. Which one do you think we'll pick? Let's listen. I'm Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend. This is Sean Holman from Four Wheeler, and we are standing between a Jeep Wrangler and the all-new Ford Bronco. And we're going to compare these two, just not in the way that you're thinking. Yeah, we understand that these are two completely different versions of the vehicle, different trim levels that cater to a different audience. Over here we've got the Bronco Outer Banks, which is a little bit more street oriented. Yes, it's still capable off-road, but over here we've got the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 4xE Hybrid with the full off-road package. So 
Instead of comparing these vehicles head to head for off-road capability, we're actually gonna look at a bunch of the features that make them usable in everyday life. So we're gonna be looking at all the panels that come off, the open air experience, as well as the seals for dust intrusion. And we'll take a look at the interior and see how these vehicles compare and contrast with each other. And we're gonna start with the doors and the mirrors. I want you to notice two things about the Wrangler door. One is it has a frame. That means when this door is off, this is the size of the object that you have to deal with. The other thing is, look where the mirror is mounted. It's on the door. And that means when the doors come off, you lose your mirrors. So what you want to notice on the Bronco is that there's no frame, which means the glass slides down inside this door, making it incredibly compact and easier to manage once you pull it off the vehicle. Why that's important is because if you suddenly decide you want to pull your doors off in a mall parking lot and head down to the beach or, or up to the mountains, you can store all four of these doors in the cargo area of the Bronco and you don't have to leave them behind somewhere. The other nice thing about the Bronco, well, depending on who you are, the mirrors stay on the vehicle. And the last thing to note, check out the hinges on the Bronco and on the Wrangler. While the Wrangler's hinges are exposed, the Broncos are hidden within the fender well. I'd like to make some counterpoints. Uh, Number one, I like the exposed hinges because while you know the Bronco's doors are probably a little bit easier to take off, they're real hard to get back on. Because these are exposed, it makes the Wrangler doors easier to get back on. Also, when you lose the mirrors on a Wrangler, you know, it's good if you live where there's narrow trails. If you if you happen to have a Bronco where there's you know trees close together, you gotta get those mirrors off anyways. And you know, I've driven these things doorless way too many times. I've never been pulled over for that. Also, one more thing. Um, you know, if you're at a shopping mall and you suddenly decide to take the doors off, I hope you didn't go shopping in the Bronco because where are you going to put your stuff because the doors are supposed to store in the rear. While there's no question that the new JL Wrangler's interior is a huge step up from the old JK Wrangler, there's still some room for improvement. Let me give you some examples. Okay. It's 2021. Look at this little baby screen, right? This is uh, it's barely bigger than my phone. Modern cars deserve modern screens. I like the uh, the lever here for the transfer case, but it, it's retro, it's cool, but you don't need it. It gets in the way, it takes up a lot of real estate, and the same is true of the handbrake. I like handbrakes, I prefer them to electric parking brakes. However, it takes up a lot of room, so you have no space for stuff. Like on the Bronco, you got a big binnacle here, you can put things in it, wireless phone charger. Here in the Wrangler, two cup holders, that's it. All right, well, as somebody who uh, goes off-roading all the time, I like to have a transfer case lever that has cable actuation. There's that positive engagement. You know that you are in the gear you want to be in. It's great. I'm also a big fan of the emergency handbrake because there's a lot of techniques off-road where you can modulate that handbrake, especially yeah, in manual, yeah, yeah. coming down a waterfall where you don't want to stall, but you need to slow it down. You can kind of drag down on it. So I'm a big fan of handbrakes. If this was not an off-road vehicle, I totally agree with you. But to me, the off-road stuff comes first. I like Jeep's execution. The other thing I like about the Jeep Wrangler interior are these great A-pillar grab handles. You can see how sturdy they are, right? You can move the whole vehicle. Yeah, They're yeah. on both the driver's and passenger side. On the Bronco, you only get one down by your left passenger knee. Um, I think more grab handles, more better. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, as sturdy as that is, this one here is like, a, you could you could tow the vehicle out of the mud <laughs> with this thing, it's incredible. And really, the whole interior is like that. Yes, it's it's you know it, it's it's plastic, it's obviously plastic, but it's strong, tough plastic that feels like it's gonna last forever, and that's not necessarily the case in the Bronco. All right, so here we are in the Bronco, and there's a big difference in the types of materials and even build quality of the interior versus the Wrangler. Yeah, I, I was pretty surprised at how <clears throat> low buck this interior is. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I mean, that's pretty flimsy. Yeah. You're talking about the grab handles? Do it with one finger. Yeah, I, I can move the grab handles around. You can see how the dash flexes. There's no soft touch. The Wrangler had soft touch. While you may not like the Wrangler layout as much as the Ford, and the Ford definitely has this great big screen, I am a little bit disappointed in how it's put together and all the seams and different materials. It just doesn't feel as upscale. Yeah, and it's weird. You'd think it would be easy to like target Wrangler, but Ford, Ford missed. But one thing they got right, though, is the view out. I really yeah. do appreciate the visibility in this vehicle. Well, part of that is because of the frameless window. So you don't have those big window frames. You have nice, large piece of glass on either side of you, these big mirrors. And unlike the Wrangler, which tapers at the nose in order to have better visibility up front, the Bronco is actually higher in the corners of the front than it is at the hood. So that blocks view. So what Ford did was put these great uh, trail sights on the leading edge of the hood. They're awesome to tell where the corners are, and they can also be used as tie downs. Yeah, it's like driving a 911. Speaking of driving like a 911, uh, I was actually off-road uh, jumping one of these. Sure you, you were. Uh -huh. There's video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's video. Check Instagram. <laughs> but I was jumping one. But when you're doing a jump, that's a bit of stunt driving. What the, my least favorite part of this thing is the tachometer, this crazy digital dash they have. Yeah. You can't tell where red line is. When you're doing something like that, you want to know exactly when to shift, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, why? Why not just have a tachometer? Why reinvent yeah. the wheel? All right, I'm in the back seat of the Bronco. I'm about 5'11", and there's enough room here. I wouldn't want to do a 1,000 miles in this back seat, but a couple hundred miles, no problem. Yeah, it's pretty comfortable. There's enough leg room. There's enough shoulder and head room back here. Um, I think it's 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 fine. It's very comparable to the Jeep. The big difference in the open air experience between the Bronco and the Jeep is going to be in the structure of the roof. So when you remove the roof panels of the Bronco, the roll bar or sport bar as Jeep calls it, is basically has a B pillar crossbar for strength. Ford took that out and made what they call a halo, and so the open air experience is feels much more open from the back seat. However, if you have a roof rack, like this Bronco does, <laughs> there's a big crossbar right here, which is exactly like having the B-pillar crossbar in the Wrangler. So it's kind of a wash, really. So here we are in the backseat of the Wrangler, and as you can see, the view outward is a little more restricted than the Bronco, especially with the speaker bar right here. But the Bronco doesn't have what the Wrangler does, and that's the Sky One-Touch Power Roof. Now that's cool. And now we're gonna talk about the rear ends of these things. Sean, if you would open the tailgate Love for me. You. So one of the problems with the Wrangler is that on certain angles, it's kind of hard to get the tailgate open. For instance, you're facing downhill, you gotta get back there, there's a big spare tire, it's heavy. Ford said we're gonna solve this problem by adding a damper. But what I would argue is it's always hard to open the back of the Bronco, whereas the Wrangler, most of the time, it isn't. And now, dust intrusion. So one of the big knocks on Wrangler has always been the dust intrusion around the rear seals where the hard top meets the tub. And Bronco is no different. There's definitely dust that gets out here. It's just one of the things that come with the territory of a convertible hard top vehicle. You're gonna get dust in the back. It's not a lot, but it's still there. So I think it's important to note. Also, when I look in the back, where are all the tie downs? Well, they're under the mat, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> they're there, there's four of them. Um, but why not make little cutouts? Yeah, I mean, it seems like you would want to have access to your tie downs in the back. And also the Bronco only has four tie downs where the Jeep has six. Speaking of the Jeep, so Ford's gonna make a big deal out of the fact that on paper, the cargo area of the Bronco is bigger. However, there are these big hard plastic sides right here. On the Jeep, they're open, so you can just kind of shove more stuff. So I think functionally, the Wrangler can actually store more off-road gear than the Ford. All right, I'm gonna open the back of the Wrangler here, even in a strong wind, even with this big old Rubicon tire hanging off the back. Watch how easy this is. 
There's nothing to it. Also, when you look at the Wrangler cargo area, you see six tie downs, not the four that are in the Bronco, as well as going back to those side panels. You're not blocked into this uh, you know, very square space. There's some shape to it. You can you know, hide things in there. It actually works out really well. And underneath the rear cargo shelf. Oh yeah, this is, this is crucial. So you leave this in place. I'm just gonna take it out to show you. But when you do take the doors off, there are spots for the bolts, right? They all fit in here. And when this is closed, you have them trapped in place, you'll never lose a bolt. This is a huge innovation, one that Ford should have copied. So Johnny, having both of these vehicles at our disposal kind of maybe think about, they're so unique. I mean, if somebody came up to you today as a, a, a car company and said, you need to build a vehicle that's a four-door SUV, it goes off-roading, it has to go 80 miles an hour, it has to be safe, it has to be, oh, a convertible, oh, and the doors come off, yeah. you would think they're crazy for creating, yet we have two of that exact vehicle right here behind us. The other thing is, I'm not sure what the reason is, but a lot of people felt that since Ford is bothering to do the Bronco, it's just gonna come out of the gates and be better. It's gonna put the Wrangler on the trailer. What, what did you call it? A Wrangler killer! Yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's really, really good. And I'm actually surprised at how right Ford got the Bronco, but there's definitely still a place for the Wrangler. It's very good, especially on the highway and, and everyday driving and, you know, off-roading, very comparable. Maybe yeah. extreme, you hand it to, to Wrangler, yeah, yeah. but I think for the, the, the context of this test where we're talking about everyday usability and not a head-to-head -head about capability, the Wrangler just feels a little bit more refined in the detail. So for me, it's Wrangler. Yeah, for me too. It's a more solid vehicle for right now. The good news is we have competition for the Wrangler finally. They're both gonna get better as we move on down the road. Okay, so maybe it wasn't the battle royale, but you did get a nice dig in. It was, I, I, we had fun. Uh, listen, yeah. I don't hate Johnny. Our listeners do. Listen, Johnny uh, was on a similar trip as I. He may have been a different part of the trip, mm -hmm. but left me a $900 bottle of brown hooch uh, behind. So, what, wait, can... wait, stop. Did he spend $900? One of his personal bottles of hooch that he left behind for me because he knows I enjoy brown water is, goes for about 900 bucks online right now. Holy crap. So, I can't hate Johnny. Love Johnny. Well, our listeners can. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you guys think? Do you guys yeah. uh, think we got it right or you think you got it wrong? Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, leave us a message if you get a second. 657-205-6105. Five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. He's I mean, a... Oh, did you go. That was my job. Well, then you go. You go. Okay, I'm just going to say, I think it'll be 50-50. I think people do like Johnny, but they want to hate him. And others that just hate him, hate, just hate him. no, they may not want to like him. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see how that fares out. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Should we have Johnny on the shore more often or yes. never again? <laughs> uh, I already know the answer to, uh, to a <laughs> lot of that. All right, well, uh, he's at LBC Lighting. I'm at Sean P. Holman. We are at Truck Show Podcast. So interact with us on your uh, favorite social network. And uh, again, 657-205-6105 is the five-star hotline. And we are begging you, please, leave us a review. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, on their app, where uh, we can get to hopefully 1,000 and do a real meetup again. We're so close. We had a baby meetup a couple weeks back. It was great. Love, and so love to see you guys out there. Um it would be really nice to have those extra reviews. I just like listening to bed. I'm ready for bed.
It faded all the way. Well, that was We're good. Just gonna have We're just it gonna does. sit no, here. No, yeah, each other. I mean, sure. <laughs> two hours with you in the same room. I'm it's like an awkward pause right there. Oh, it's so good. Just sitting across from me. I haven't mm. seen you in a couple weeks. Yeah, with no air conditioning, no AC. We're just sweating, yeah. looking at each other. <laughs> God, shiny foreheads. You're just a, uh, you're, you're a manly man. Just uh, go. You you should see uh, where I was was 105, and I had. Uh, it's amazing how much sweat your beard can hold. So wait, you were in a mountain town and it was 105. It was just hot, man. Where would that have been? Utah? I don't know. Where Colorado? Would, where would it have been? Oh. It was hot, though. Well, you, what'd you, you said you were driving what again? Ah, nice try. Ah, uh, damn it. All right. Really? You think that I'm that easy? Uh, I don't know. I need to talk to your wife. <laughs> hey, hey now. All right, uh... Speaking of talking to your wife, uh, when you're ready to get a truck purchase and the uh, Department of War and Finance uh, <laughs> a little late. needs to approve it. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Nissan, for hanging with us for uh, for really the inception of the show. Uh, if you're in the market for a half-ton truck or a half-ton plus truck, head over to NissanUSA.com. Did they, did they invent the half-ton plus moniker or did you? Uh, I don't know. It's a white space truck. Hmm. I'm just curious. It's not quite HD, but it's a little bit more than a half ton. Half ton plus. Plus. No, I, I like know. it. NissanUSA.com. Build and price. Make it your own. Head on down to your local Nissan dealer where you can see it in person. You'll be impressed by the fit and finish, the quality of materials, the big old inky black screen, the zero gravity seats in the Fender audio system. Also, a couple more weeks, Nissan Frontier. coming to a dealer near you. It's going to be awesome. But until such time that you get a brand new Nissan truck, you're going to have to cart around that old bucket. Like we said, you're going to have to keep parts on it that are falling off. And you need to reach out to our friends at DuralastParts.com. They've got thousands of parts for almost every vehicle on the road. Well, what do you uh, what do you say to somebody who thinks Duralast is just another house brand? I would say that's uh, false because, they, A, they stand behind their products with a lifetime warranty. They've got a couple of different lines where one is reman parts, but the other, the gold line, What's it called? Is it gold? It, it is gold. And you get brand new gold stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's brand new. Would you say uh, Duralast is the leading brand in the automotive aftermarket, known for its OE quality, OE great construction, but price lower than OE? I'll say what's great about it is that it's really easy to find because you can get it at AutoZone or DuralastParts.com, and it's absolute top quality. Would you say it's trusted by hundreds of thousands of professionals and installed on millions of vehicles on the road today? I would say that's factual. Uh, 83% of professional installers rank Duralast as a high-quality parts brand. And more technicians choose Duralast Parts. That is a proven claim from our friends over at DuralastParts.com. Thank you, Duralast. Another proven claim is that Onyx Maps is badass. Is uh, that according to the Truck Show podcast? It's uh, lightning. <laughs> okay. Yes. Wait, which episode? I want to go back and fact check. I want to say it's 147. <laughs> 153. Okay, if you need an awesome GPS map app for your uh, iPad, for your Android device, your iPhone, or your computer... You want to check out onxmaps.com or download the app from the Google Play or Apple App Store. Uh, on Onyx, you can find open trails near you. You can track trips and add custom waypoints. You can download maps for offline use. There's interactive maps that have more detailed info, such as trail open and closure dates, public land management, private land and recreation point details for campsites, trailheads and open OHV areas, and much more. You can also find campsites and non-ethanol fuel stations and check out their 3D and satellite map. You can use across all devices Log into your off-road account on your computer to plan, then open the app on your phone or tablet on the trail. Um, do you drop waypoints uh, at all the good barbecue spots? Yes, with pictures. Okay. And you can share uh, the picture of your barbecue sandwich with your friends. Perfect. That's reason enough to get Onyx. Uh, premium is only twenty nine ninety nine a year for the entire country, guys. That's less than a tank of gas. And the Elite Upgrade offers all the trails and detailed maps, plus private land ownership uh, for ninety nine ninety nine a year for all 50 states. If you want to try out Onyx for free... 
Get a seven-day trial, and they don't even ask for your credit card. Nice. Who do I call, though, Holman, after I've blown out one of my crappy stock shocks and I want to upgrade? Well, you should head over to BillStein.com where you can check out their expansive catalog of every type of shock that you could want, whether it's a uh, stock direct replacement, a performance replacement, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts. In fact, you can find Billsteins from the factory on Nissan Titans, Nissan Frontiers, Ram TRX, the new Ford Bronco. When manufacturers want the best, they choose Billstein, and you should too. So I'm going to go to Billstein.com and shop for shocks to fit a truck I don't yet own. How about for the one you used to own? Uh, no, I'm going to focus on the future. So you're going to say the Billstein catalog won't be getting much use from you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to own a truck soonish. So what you're saying is the Billstein website will have no cookies uh, of your usage. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that insane how every single website now is, are you okay with well, cookies? Well, that's because they changed the law. I know. It's ridiculous. Do you do that? Well, do I do what? Do track people with cookies? Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> Everyone does. Uh-huh. You do. Motor Trend does. Everybody does. Yeah. Mm. I don't. You know what I'm in the mood for? Mm. Real cookies. Real cookies? I mean, chocolate chip cookies right now. Don't you feel like if I handed you a chocolate chip cookie, what, you're saying you would reject no, it right now? because I don't like melted chocolate chips in my cookies. Yeah, oh, because it it's is so freaking hot. hot. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, if you guys don't mind, we're going to bone out of here, and we'll see you on episode 189. After Lightning gets a cookie. I did it all for the cookie. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors.